We talk quite a bit about situational awareness here on The New Prisoners lately because of all the insane violence that is happening seemingly all over the world right now. We love our listeners, and the last thing we ever want to read an article about on this show is one detailing the demise of any of you to the political persecution that constantly threatens us, or even just random acts. We're no experts. In fact, we just talk shit on the internet. But we've encountered enough information now that we can certainly say that being aware of your surroundings is going to be a necessary tool that you need to get acquainted with for survival in the upcoming years. I'm not just talking about incidents like a mall shooting or even the more recent attack at a political event for Lee Zeldin in New York, which are disturbing enough. I'm talking about having an awareness of the overarching story that connects all of those things. The war on our perception. Some call it optics. Some call it the narrative. But for right now, let's just call it the big story. Because we are all a part of it, whether we like it or not. If you have been awakened to the existence of this story and how it's being written as we speak, you should also be aware that your character's story is being written right now, too. And so much of how the other characters in this big story react to you, think of you, and say about you is dependent upon the amount of truth you speak and the lies that are told by those in power. To be more aware of our situation in the public's perception, in our own communities, and even in our own minds, should be a point of focus that is put into our daily practice moving forward. How can we do that? Here's an example. When you hear someone tell you a story about how something happened, like how President Biden said he had or has cancer recently, and White House officials are sent to clarify the demented creep statements, I want you to ask, why? That's how it starts for all of us. From the uninitiated to the Donald Jeffries of the world. Just asking the simple question of why. If you can't get an answer to a question, you're asking about a story, say, that you hear on the news. Why? If you can't get a straight answer from a politician, why? If it costs more to live today than it did yesterday, why? Does it seem like the most powerful people in the world want it to be this way? Why? Every question that you answer is like taking into account where the fire exits are in a crowded theater. It's knowing where the medical tent is at a festival. It's watching the traffic in front of you and in back of you on the highway. There's no difference. All the little mundane things we do, from walking down the steps, carrying a laundry basket, to jumping out of a helicopter wearing a squirrel suit, require awareness. Exercising your right to live in an era of unbelievable authoritarianism does too. As the media drips 
information to us, like cocaine drips down the back of Hunter Biden's throat, it has the same numbing effect only on the actions we take, the questions we ask, and the lies we tell ourselves. I too am just as susceptible of having a normalcy pious. It can't be that bad. I have both thought and said that recently. And guess what? I was dead wrong. (laughs) And it was way worse than I could have imagined. That experience opened up a door, if you will, in my mind that I cannot close now. More of a gateway than a door, I suppose. But anyway, that gateway is open now, but it takes critical thinking to keep it open. I have to be aware that every time now that I look at a story and take the facts I know for granted, that I am running headfirst into one of those gates, like a new puppy that doesn't know any better. That's the way I have to look at it, too. I have to be able to forgive myself and move on from it. Spending too much time lamenting over each story that has now been expanded into something far greater than I ever would have perceived in what you can call my former life would require too much of my time, and I wouldn't be able to do this anymore. I would just sit around all day and motherfuck myself for being so ignorant and gullible. You don't have to be in the Illuminati, like Jay-Z, to brush your shoulders off. In fact, you're going to need to before we're having this talk in a gulag or through a pipe in between our prisoner pods when we're not munching on cricket pellets. Be aware now of the big story, we are told, and that it's not the whole story, if true at all. Be aware that the people in power are not there to help you or to even just help themselves, but to hurt, if not exterminate you. Be aware that you may be the last generation or even the last person who can do anything about it. The situation is real, as real as your life. Be aware and take action. You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us, and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number 6 at ProtonMail.com and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. 
We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, I'm number six, and this is the New Prisoners Podcast, and I'm here with John Henry. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about some, uh, some some of the different stories that are part of our, what, what was it earlier this week, John Henry, our crazy world. <laughs> so, John Henry, do you want to say hello to the, the people this week before we get started? Welcome back to the end of the Crazy World Podcast. Yeah. Um yeah, man, it's crazy. So, you know, Paul Pelosi had that uh, little misstep with his DUI. He was a little bit bummed out about that. But, you know, I, I read this week he's probably cheered up on his uh, $500,000 return on his uh, $5 million NVIDIA stock purchase already. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is certainly outspoken about shooting down a bill that prevents family members of politicians to be able to insider trade. Uh, Monkeypox is back bigger and gayer than ever. Weird. We'll talk about that. (laughs) Old Joe Biden has cancer and COVID, uh, and (laughs) Kamala is circling like a damn chicken hawk right now. Speaking of the Bidens, um, there are some folks out there that think Jill Biden sucks, and they told her that, which is incredibly entertaining for me. I hope you guys enjoyed that, too. And CIA Director William Burns, well, he says that he's extremely proud of our withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, despite American soldiers being killed, uh, the Taliban immediately taking over the country and us leaving $700 million in the most advanced weaponry that exists to mankind. Um, but he's really proud, which I feel like genuinely sums up the Biden administration and the fact that these people are really proud of destruction and not shy to share that. All that and much more here on the New Prisoners Podcast. Back to you, sir. All right. Thank you, John Henry. Uh, Starting off this week, um, I pulled this from ABC7 uh, by way of the AP uh, from Chris McGurian. All right. Uh, President Biden likely has contracted a highly contagious variant of COVID-19, says a doctor. (laughs) Okay. Now, I can't get enough of these memes showing Biden with the sad face about how he won't be able to sniff kids uh, <laughs> with COVID. So thank you out there, meme warriors, for that amazing entertainment. This I, I think I could narrate what might be going on there um, if if I could if I could channel the insanity for a second. It's just like, oh man, they just all smell the same. It just all smells the same. This is hell. This is what hell is like. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. That's his living nightmare. I can't sniff kid. Oh, geez. So Biden apparently uh, has a variant known as the BA.5, an offshoot. Is that Ninja? Yeah, I know, exactly. Is that Ninja variant? It might be. Is that, is that okay. what the Ninja one was? Because they come out with different stuff and I forget. I mean, there's so many different variants here. Uh, it's like when they print out like comic books and they had all the variant covers, you know, like they had all the cool, like crossover, like hologram shit and stuff like that. But, um, this just doesn't catch my, uh, 
doesn't catch my attention, but I think maybe, yeah, but it says an offshoot of the Omicron strain that emerged late last year. So um, as I scroll down, it says from Washington, President Joe Biden likely contracted a highly contagious variant of the Corona spreading rapidly through the United States. Is it the, is it the ninja COVID, sir? So I'm doing a little research here. Um, I believe when we originally discussed ninja COVID uh, or the ninja variant, that the, that was all promptly removed because that was racist against ninjas. Uh, oh, and we didn't want to assume that that was China. So, it, you know, in opening up the story, do you find it interesting um, that his, uh, you know, his press secretary, nobody would answer the questions of who he was around with this highly contagious variant? He was probably meeting with Jeffrey Epstein, who's still alive. That's why. <laughs> That's where he got it. From. As crazy as shit has gotten recently, like none of that would even, you know, <laughs> none of it would even shock uh, me. Yeah, none of it would. That's where he got me. it from, though. He got it from Epstein after their greeting when they they met each other and just started making out because you know they're evil Satanist orgy worshiping like you know type of people. They probably <laughs> used um. <laughs> Hillary Clinton's vagina as a petri dish to oh yeah <laughs> to create this highly contagious variant. the bats flying around in there <laughs> <laughs> oh Joey Joey Scranton Joey. who wants a guano bowl made of that <laughs> oh god well anyways <laughs> white devil white, white devil, devil. devil. Yes, it says, speaking of which, the United States and now has body aches and a sore throat since his positive test, according to an update from his doctor on Saturday. The variant known as BA.5 is an offshoot of the Omicron strain that emerged late last year, and it's believed to be responsible for the vast majority of coronavirus cases in the country. Now, Dr. Kevin O'Connor, the president's physician, wrote in his latest update on Biden's condition that Biden's earlier symptoms, including a runny nose and cough, have become less troublesome yeah hey, i think hunter biden had a runny nose too oh yeah <laughs> they call that the drip <laughs> what do you think does he even have a noses. septum left no way it's got to just be destroyed i mean his teeth are rotted out of yeah his how much of his face and skull have been replaced do you think i mean what were you talking about him or his dad his dad body clone yeah yeah they grow him <laughs> They have to just grow him. <laughs> they also grow him in Hillary Clinton's vaginal petri dish. Yeah, they just throw like these weird seeds in there, and it just pops out. Oh, that's gross! All right, well, I, I, I can't. Can we even get away with that thumbnail on BitChute? Even <laughs> like YouTube, definitely. <laughs> that's a good question. YouTube definitely would boot us for that. They'll boot us for anything. But uh, I don't even know if BitChute would let us get away with that one. They might be like, "Hold on." <laughs> <laughs> all right guys now you're really pushing no. <laughs> gonna get us banned <laughs> but is this biden's vital signs is he really <laughs> that, where <Yeah. laughs> where do they find one of those at they should have monitors on him all the time like i want live monitoring of his vitals like while he's reading shit like a teleprompter and he's telling people that he has cancer like, I want to see the like brain waves games. going while that's happening. It's like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's the damage bar of Mortal Kombat. Now, that's a good one. <laughs> I could definitely do that How thumbnail. How close to dead is he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> while this victory. <laughs> the teleprompter versus him. <laughs> He's just asked yeah, out on exactly. the ground. <laughs> it's Joe Biden versus words. <laughs> <laughs> 
And in the final match, <laughs> Scranton Joe versus the English language. Oh, no. <laughs> now it says his blood pressure and respiratory rate remain entirely normal and his oxygen saturation levels are excellent with no shortness of breath at all, the doctor wrote. God, he's a, a picture of good health. <laughs> now, O'Connor said the results of the preliminary sequencing that indicated the BA5 variant do not affect Biden's treatment plan in any way. So it doesn't matter what variant you get, all the same treatment, right? Including the shots and the boosters and this formulation that they're using for that. So, And that's not enough. It says Biden tested positive for the virus on Thursday morning. He has been isolating the White House residents since then. Administration officials have emphasized that his symptoms are mild because he has received four vaccine doses. Okay, here we go. Every time. Of the same formulation, Every not time. for this variant, mind you. But also, mm-hmm. he started taking, for whatever the fuck reason, why on earth can anyone chime in and tell me why he would take Paxlovid after becoming infected? Because Paxlovid, in case y'all don't know, gives you COVID a second time. Yep. Um, but because these people are walking big pharma advertisements, mm-hmm. we've talked about this and addressed this many times on the show before every one of these scumbags, every time they get COVID, it's the same thing. I'm so my symptoms are mild. It's all the same thing. Every time my symptoms are mild. Uh, okay. I tested positive. My symptoms are mild. Thank goodness that I am jabbed and boosted every single time. And now it's Paxlovid, which to your point, we know doesn't benefit people at all. They get a, what do they call it? Like a secondary COVID yeah, infection. Yeah, a rebound infection, they call it. Yeah, which they offered me. And, you know, fortunately, I talked to you about this. And when I had COVID, I'm like, fuck, man, what about Paxlovid? And, you know, that's when you're like, hey, hold on a second, pump the brakes. Check that shit out first. So, I mean, that's why I didn't take it, because they tried to push that on me from the doctor. How big of a hit does something like that have? Like for those of you listening out there, how big of a hit does that have on your confidence whenever it comes to like taking anything at this point? Like, I I mean, I've I've taken a lot of different medications because I've had to. I've taken a lot of antibiotics in my life. Those aren't great for you. Um, (laughs) Lots of infections for number six. Yeah, lots lots of injuries leading to infections (laughs) and things. Don't talk about what kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's disclose enough graphic details. <laughs> it didn't involve the book where they hit you with the book. I'll say that. <laughs> that that they call the, that's where the the clap came from. I don't know if you guys listening out there know that, but they they would put your member on a uh, table. Yeah. They'd take a book mm-hmm. and then smack your member with the table to get the uh, the stuff out of there. That get the devil out your yep, baby. Yep. You don't want that. So yeah, that's. So let me ask you this. I mean, even more than this, I mean, how do you feel about his announcement that he casually mentions he has cancer this week? I mean, it wouldn't shock me that he had cancer. The reason why he said he had cancer, though, is that he blamed the energy industry for giving him cancer. Yeah, in Delaware, it used to rain oil, he said. Yeah. Now, you think that when you make such a claim, like, the energy industry gives me cancer. Now, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that that's not true, because I mean there is plenty of big company bullshit that I'm sure that has polluted a lot of stuff that's given people a lot of cancer, um, and they yeah. probably have government contracts and subsidies to to even do so. <laughs> yeah, all of them under yeah. population control. Every you know. Of them. <laughs> so 
uh, that I don't. Now that may have been a truism that kind of slipped out. But when you now you may want to go back to the uh, monkeypox episode where we first discussed that, <laughs> yeah, and that will substantiate what number six just yes. said. But like they all have government contracts. Yes, I mean, but like with these. So, but if you're going to make a claim on the energy industry like that, and just completely overlook the farm, like you said before, like how they're just you know, paid mascots for the pharmaceutical companies. They might as well come out in like little fuzzy suits, you know, and chase each other around and stuff like that and act silly. Well, they should all wear the uh, the syringe suits. Yeah, yeah, little syringes. Show. Uh, may- maybe yeah. for Alec Borla, since he was a horse doctor, they just have a big old fuzzy dick that just runs around, <laughs> you know. Get boosted, yeah. everybody. It's the same uniforms they wear on, um, on Colbert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, vaccina. I mean, it's just crazy. It's it's so one of the things that's ah, fuck, I don't even know if I can call it positive. Um, but when you see this happening, like, you know, in, in this particular article, it talks about he's taking packs of it and then also took Tylenol. Well, you're seeing a lot and of Tylenol's like, the montages. winner. <laughs> Tylenol's yeah, the only thing that had an effect on him. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> You know, but you're starting to see a lot of videos out there um, that are showing how many times he and Lord Fauci stated that if you get vaccinated, you can't get COVID. So I feel like, you know, when we see these things um, on this large public stage, at least more people are getting a, you know, a little bit better idea of how much of a complete fucking sham this whole thing has been. Because specifically Biden cited a hundred times, take the vaccine and you won't get sick. Hmm. Well, <laughs> well, not exactly. I just think, I mean, him making such a claim about the energy industry, though, is is so shocking because it's the president of the United States making that health claim. And this well, climate change is the new code. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. So it all has to blend together. So he's made false. What you're saying is that he's made false medical claims to the public on several occasions. And now yes. he could be made with arguably a false medical claim that growing up it, where he grew up gave him cancer. Now I can see like if you're, you live in like a mining town, right? And th- there's a lot of mines sure. about like where, where I've grown up and stuff like that too. So folks, and uh, you know, you don't want like certain like radon and those types of things to kind of be in your basement because you had a mine underneath your house. Like that's not a cool thing. So I'm, I'm not going to say that industry hasn't affected people's health out there. And like, with, that's something I'm open to have people on to talk about too, is, you know, what we've done to the environment or what's been done to us through the environment too, uh, whether it be a military project or not. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, you would think that somebody in the leftist media would maybe look into that claim, you know, for them to want to back them up on I mean, something, right? Like- <laughs> So when you look at like going through the industrial revolution, you know, you'll see a history and photographs of places like Pittsburgh, places like Chicago, where, the, I mean, there was so much pollution in the air from things like steel mills that, you know, it, it almost blocked out the sun and the cars would be covered in shit. Oh, yeah. Like, sure. Like, I, I'm saying, like, I, I'm not making a statement that there's no way, shape, or form, but it's just such an absurdity when he says it rains oil. Yeah. Because uh, that makes zero sense. And, it, hey, somebody out there, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> if you're familiar with places that it's raining oil and gave everybody cancer, by all means, please correct me. Even if it but rained oil, it would again, still be more expensive, you know? To, to, yeah. 
that's expensive ass, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so crazy. But then again, you know, to have an expectation that anything that he says is going to be logical, shame on us. Yeah. Yeah. I was to say the, the way that they work the system with uh, making the oil prices go up, you know, to affect all of us. And we'll, we'll maybe talk about that in a little bit. Well, no, Putin did. Oh, that, yeah, Putin. <laughs> but it's Biden's fault they're it's going totally down. Putin. <laughs> did you see that? Uh, was it you that sent me, John Henry, that uh, Kim Jong un has made claims that the U.S. is. Uh, Funding bioterrorism in in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's you know that's something that's coming out quite a bit from both Russia and uh, North Korea. Which I'm not saying those are good guys, no. not in any way, shape, or form. But um, you know, when you when you start to see that those things are starting to be stated, you know, and and they're putting a lot of attention on those bio labs in Ukraine, which we've reported, we reported from the beginning that they were there. And then it was substantiated and came out from government sources that they were there. Um, you know, that, you know that, that's certainly a possibility of where this whole entire thing stemmed from, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, who knows what the real story is about that whole engagement. I mean, it's, what's really sad right now is that we, we can continue to see uh, you know, it being pushed in the news feeds and pushed on Twitter and pushed on you know, news everywhere. Uh, but I, I don't think we've been giving the full story at all about why this military military engagement is happening over there, John Henry. I, I think that no, we're definitely no, not no, being no, told no, the whole told no, the whole story. Yeah, so. this, there's no question yeah. of that. Uh, Lex Friedman is in Ukraine right now. I'm really excited when he gets back because oh. uh, I really enjoy listening to him. He's a very prolific thinker. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him. So he went over to be boots on the ground because he has family in Ukraine and Russia. And yeah. um, He's just kind of saying, hey, I'm safe, you know, then I'll talk about this when I get back. Yeah. Now, on a side note, one of the things that I find very interesting when we're talking about, you know, different types of statements that are being made all over the world, as we see a lot of protesting happening all over the globe right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the interesting things all over the world is you're starting to see a lot of things in these protests discussing um, New World Order, Global Economic Forum, ESG scores. What do you think about that, man? We're seeing that in a lot of countries all over the world. I mean, we saw protests right at the beginning of the lockdowns too. And those people were mm-hmm. right. I mean, how far ahead you know, are the people that are actually engaging right now? You have to figure too, like the, the people that seek out this sort of content that we do, John Henry, is a smaller fraction of the greater population. So the people that imbibe that sort of thing and then take action afterwards too is an even smaller fraction. So to be able to see that pop up worldwide shows that we're making an impression. Slowly but surely, people like us, you know, people like Silas Guthier as well, our good friend, and you know, pe- people talking about these sort of uh, subjects around the world are making an impact on the way people perceive the news that they're being fed in their news feeds everywhere. That nowadays they can actually see that you know, right out in front, just like we've talked about in this article, John Henry. Like when you read. After a while, like even if you're the the least skeptical person alive, that after several months of seeing major uh, celebrity and political person, you know, person, you know, get COVID after multiple shots and then take Paxlovid and then get COVID again, <laughs> like eventually anyone is going to be like, you know what, those conspiracy theory guys, they may have been right a little bit. You know, so I mean, it's mm-hmm. just their story can't last long when it comes to reality. 
they're great at painting pictures for us. They're great at showing us things in our minds, right? But through description or claims or labels and other things, but they're not really good at producing demonstrable objective reality, you know, types of uh, examples. They're very piss poor at that. And that's why they can't use it in their language. Like they can't use specifics. Like Joe Biden can't come out and say that the oil industry gave me uh, cancer because of X. He can't he can't say that this has been proven because of this study. He can't say that this happened in this case and this is the precedent for it. He can't cite any of those things. You know why? Because it's bullshit. And, and, and anything, and even claims on our own side, and we've, we've discussed this a lot frequently too, the way that our own side treats claims like this. If they don't demonstrate anything, if they don't show it to you, it's bullshit. It's bullshit until you, you, you can actually lay it out and there it is right in front of you. Like that's the only, that's the only way that we can go forward now when it comes to like any of these concepts. They've demonstrated so poorly for us how the science works. There was another article that didn't even make the cut that talked about Burks and Fauci discussing how they pretty much just made up the lockdown rules. You know, that just, you know, we, we made up the science on this. We picked a couple of studies and said, okay, that, I guess that sounds great. And we just went with it. And like, I understand that at some point when you're put into a position of power and you've been given a situation that you have to make decisions, right? You can't just say, well, the best decision is not making a decision. Well, that is a really simplistic way of looking at it. Sometimes staying, sometimes folding, sometimes holding, right? <laughs> is is a better play than just throwing all of your chips on the board. And it just seemed like the play immediately in our in our way of of dealing with this was immediately in one particular direction that was already predetermined. That we were just going to sit at the table and we were going to bet heavily on each hand the the whole time. Why is that? Is it because we knew who was dealing? You know, <laughs> it was it was it was it a, a thing that it was set up to be that way, or was uh, I mean I'm still uh, out out there whenever it comes to like uh, was a lot of this incompetence, were people being paid off to make certain decisions? You know, like the, the, there's there's so much that can come out that we can't yet verify, and we don't even like, uh, there's no transparency whenever it comes to this stuff. And especially we're still in a state of emergency, folks, in case you were wondering out there. I forget what the count is up to uh, at this level, but if if you ever need to know, tune in to David Knight Monday through Friday and he'll tell you <laughs> because he keeps count. But we're still in that state of emergency, so we can't even get information based on that. In fact, we'll talk about how Democrats want to use other things to declare states of emergencies to gain even more power when we talk about Hawaii in a little bit. But uh, let's move on to this article, though, uh, John Henry. This is uh, from Breitbart. It says, here we go again. The WHO looks set to declare monkeypox a global health emergency. So, as I was just talking about, we, we, talk, we talk about these organizations that utilize these emergencies in order to claim more power. And they have zero transparency. They make arbitrary decisions. That, that they don't even have to demonstrate what an actual threat is. They just have to claim that there is a threat. And even when put to a vote, like if you want to say that a vote should decide, I mean, if you have nine people and five of them vote that there is an emergency and four of them don't, do you, does that really mean that you have an emergency or you just had a vote? You just had a, you just had a vote on it. That's all it really means. 
that doesn't mean there actually is an emergency. Um, but let, let's read on. It says, uh, faced with a surge in monkeypox cases, the head of the World Health Organization, I guess on Saturday, not is Saturday, but I guess he is a Saturday, <laughs> expected to declare because nothing makes sense anymore. We live in a crazy world. If the agency has decided to classify the outbreak as a global health emergency, the highest alarm it can sound. Now, why are they given that? It, it's like giving a toddler a fucking flare gun, John Henry. Like, do you expect them not to like fire it at somebody or into the air or at themselves? Like, what are we, what are we doing here with giving this power at all still to people like Tedros and Hanna and Gabricius? Now, if case for the uninitiated, if this is the first time tuning into a program like this, Tedros and Hanna, Gabricius is the one that said that China, meaning this fucking guy, is doing a over here. Xi Jinping did a great job on handling COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need to know any more? <laughs> yeah, he handled and subsequently distributed COVID. So <laughs> I imagine that's what old Tedros is referring to. But that's the thing. Like, he handled it to the rest of the country or world. You don't even know. You don't even need to know the level of corruption or the detail. Like I would love to know. Right. But I guess the average person anymore, and this kind of goes back to the point we were making before, John Henry, that the average person anymore doesn't need to know the details anymore about how corrupt Tedros and Hanan Cabricius is. They just understand that he is. And that's a huge sea change. Like that, that in itself, like the, the confidence that people have in people like this to deliver any sort of protection to them or safety or care of any sort. Or the fact that they have their best interests in mind, like the average person is starting to look at that and go, no, no, they don't. Um, and the more people that think that way, the, the better, because that that strips these people of their power. Like people will only go along with so much, you know, they can only be pushed so far. Now, before, when they weren't aware of the corruption here, you could push them further. Because their confidence was higher in those things. Like, uh, I may have lost my job and livelihood and I'm being kicked out of my house, but everything's cool because the world's looking after me and just, I'm losing it because because of the, I love when they say on the news now, because of the pandemic, they did that in that shitty debate we'll talk about in a little bit, but they say because of the Mm -hmm. pandemic, no bitch, not because of the pandemic, it was because of the government. The government created this, this catastrophe. And probably literally and figuratively, mind you, but even besides that, besides them creating the virus and distributing it around the world, um, they also just created more of a catastrophe through the entire handling of it politically and and down to a local level even. Um, Government everywhere failed people. And I think that we live now in a post-governmental era whenever it comes to that confidence. Like for them to gain that back now, I know that the public memory isn't all that long and there could be another emergency that unites us all and brings us all back together so we can all be in the same thing you know whatever that thing is fuck it you know but you know whatever that thing is we all have we're all in it together again um but until that happens john henry i think that the confidence worldwide in world leaders um in the medical industry and the pharmaceutical industry a lot of that has suffered and I can't help but to think of the other sort of downstream side effects of that, though, because like when you do have good that happens in these areas now, that even people like us will look at it and they'll go, well, yeah, even if Paxlovid, say, did work and didn't give you a rebound case of fucking COVID, 
that it, it, it say it was a cure-all. Even people like us would look at it now and go, mm, I don't know about that. You know, like there's just, there's going to be something now in the back of everyone's head um, that lets them know that it's like a sixth sense now. And once you've gained that, once you felt that, like it's, I guess it's like encountering, uh, encountering a spirit, maybe like once you felt that and understand it, then you have a different appreciation for it. You know, it's, it's like an awakening of, of some sort of a sense in people. And now I think the floodgate can open now that the sea changes happen. And a lot of people can run to, uh, you know, maybe shows like this and others, you know, hopefully, um, you know, and, and get more information and get more educated in these things and get more curious about them um, now that they can see the cracks, you know, forming in front of them. So, you know, it's important for the people to understand that, you know, you would think that for somebody like Tedros uh, to be in that role, that, you know, he's qualified to be in that role. But one of the things about this particular article, and as I was reading through this, um, is, you know, you think about Fauci and Gavin Newsom and, you know, these Democratic leaders and the lockdowns and what they did to people. Well, it, when you look at how power hungry they've become, it's like this bloodlust, right? So when you look at it in here, in the article, it says, but the majority at the WHO advised Tedros that the situation at that point has not met the threshold. Okay. But he still wants to move forward and consider that a global emergency. They don't care anymore. They don't want other people's opinions anymore. I mean, they're going to fucking continue to drive and drive and drive regardless. And when you look at the fear tactics, so ironically, I'm actually glad that on the right-hand side, I know that you referenced Xi Jinping, the crackheads there too. Um, But I want to talk about the fourth one down. If you see the monkeypox strikes two children on opposite coasts of the U.S., right? So, you know, what did we do with with the pandemic? Well, we started to scare people by saying the kids can get sick too. Now, Now we know it's basically a mild cold for children. No, they don't need to be vaccinated. No, they don't need to be boosted. No, they don't need to wear masks. And no, they don't need to do school on a computer. Um, But let me go ahead one more layer in here because I read about these two children in these cases. And this kind of goes back to one of the opening statements I made at the beginning of the show. Both of these children on opposing sides of the coast live in a household with either a bisexual or homosexual individual. We've reported on this all the way since the shit started about the pride festival in Spain and where this whole entire brush fire got ignited. And I know that nobody wants to talk about the fact that this is most prevalent in the LGBTQ PRP plus plus niner 47 blue, purple, redder um, community. And it's not about being homophobic or anti those things, but it's just the fact that this is where this is spreading. Well, that's not good. So if you are part of that community, I'm just asking that you're a little bit more assertive. If you want to go have sex with a stranger, use protection. Well, yeah. (laughs) Same thing as, oh, I don't know, AIDS or herpes or other bad shit that you don't want. So when you look at it, I mean, this is something where we know the masks are bullshit. We know the social distancing was bullshit. But this is where a group of people can make a decision collectively to ward off this illness or this disease by just being fucking careful and using your head. 
Now, I know that that's a huge ask of people in general these days is, hey, use some common sense because that is so far out the fucking window. You can't even see it anymore. Oh, yeah. Right. But when you look at it, it, don't try to scare people. Right. California is already doing, you know, monkeypox vaccinations by saying kids get it now without really explaining the pertinent point. They didn't get it playing on the playground at school. They got it from a household member that was casually having sex with strangers. Hey, how about you don't do that? Is that okay? Could we maybe get ahead of this one just a little bit before old fucking Tedro starts talking shit? I mean, Fauci, I imagine, is doing some research maybe in a bathhouse right now, <laughs> like he did when he was doing his AIDS research. Yeah, he's hanging around a you lot know, of monkeys. Those. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> right? So, I mean, the thing is, it's like, Come on, guys, use your head, but, but don't give me the sham bullshit. I don't want to fucking hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear social distancing for fucking monkeypox. We're not doing this again. And I just hope that the general populace goes, yeah, yeah I, I, this isn't a big concern of mine. My concern is I can't pay my fucking bills because we have the highest inflation in 40 damn years. And our economy is going down the tube and all of our freedoms are being fucking taken away from us. That's a bigger concern than the sham bullshit monkeypox, fear-mongering nonsense. So to you, Tedgers, I say, go fuck yourself with a monkey, with a gay monkey. I don't fucking care. But you're not going to tell me how to live my life or put fucking handcuffs on me and my freedoms any longer. No, 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 no. And all of you listening, you need to stand up and do the same thing. Enough is enough. Not putting a mask back on. Not fucking doing it. Shouldn't have had to do it in the first place. So the problem is they got their practice run out of the way. We've talked about this on the show many times about how, you know, that was a test. That's all that mm-hmm. was. How far can I push that Set up to the setup? All right. <laughs> Two, exactly. Two weeks to flatten the curve turned into wear a mask all the time turned into the fucking global economy and business was shut down because they allowed you to be pushed a little further. A little further, a little further. Jordan Peterson is brilliant. He talks about this exact thing. Push you just up to the edge before you'll break and then stop. Mm -hmm. Let some time go by, push you straight up to the edge. But then when you look at how far you've been pushed over time, you're now in a completely different place. And it's time to dig your fucking heels. Yeah, it's a war against agency, I believe. I mean, uh, if you look at the way that they target all of the different victimized groups, right, in the... uh, kaleidoscope now of uh, victimized groups used by the left that um, really the the remaining theme in every single different category that you could think of whether it be race or gender or you know getting gay monkey pox you know all of it basically they have to remove the agency of the person involved you know we talked a lot about this when it came to the road decision you know that you know when it came down to it like yeah, when it comes to individual rights and freedoms, like, yes, you had the choice. You had the freedom to go and have sex with a random person. You had the freedom to get pregnant. But it, when it comes down to it, you know, the the liberty of, of each individual person, if you want to acknowledge that, starts at life. So your your individual decision, you know, just ended because you, it's no longer an individual decision. So in these cases where people make John Henry, when they make these lifestyle decisions to go out and be part of orgies at the uh, Pride Festival, and they contract something like monkeypox and then bring it home to the kids, um, (laughs) 
you know, the public outcry here, especially in today's media, it can't possibly be focused on their individual decisions because you'd have to acknowledge the individual themselves. And you'd also have to acknowledge that people that make decisions can make fucking bad decisions. That just giving somebody the freedom to make their own decisions, and you've, you've seen this throughout our entire friendship with me, <laughs> when you give people decisions, you know, the ability to make their own, uh, own decisions, then yes, yeah, sometimes they're going to make the wrong decision, you know, and, and, and you do what you can, right, to reach out to them as, as if you care for them and say, hey, you're not making the right decision, and those people can continue on making that wrong decision sometimes, sometimes for years. Um <laughs> But if you can't acknowledge, though, that the person responsible for that decision is you, if it's part of the, um, I guess, like the orthodoxy now to say, oh, that's not my fault. You know, I just go out to gay orgies all the time. I'm being victimized now because of monkeypox. So therefore, I need the government to do something about it. Like, doesn't that sound like an inverse or like upside down like type of scheme? It's supposed to start at you, silly. <laughs> like e- everything starts at you. Like if if you're if you're doing anything right, like the the decisions that you make every single day, like the decision to open or close the door, or or something like that, even like the seconds out of your day that that you decide to be in the kitchen versus your bedroom, every little decision that you make affects your day. Therefore, every decision that you make affects the things around you and it affects the people around you. Ultimately, like the war on agency, the war, the war on us is the war on the individual. This is all to erode individuality. Like, because if we had our own rights, we wouldn't have, we, we, we could separate ourselves from this easily, right? Like, it's pretty easy to approach a group and say, hey, group. You make individual decisions that are responsible that could eradicate this. That sounds great on paper, <laughs> right? I think that's what a lot of people that bought into the whole COVID hysteria in the first place thought. They thought that the government could just say, hey, stupid people, wear a mask and you can solve all this, all these issues. And they just bought that. And they still buy it. Like m- months, years later, even though that nothing has ever been demonstrated that it did anything at all. In fact, probably caused more harm. <laughs> but, you know, people want to believe that there could just be these simplistic solutions. But no, it, it, it boils down to you. It boils down to you taking responsibility for yourself. Um, if there's something out there that's being spread around in your community and you can actually do something by not engaging with people in the manner in which it is spread, then yes, that, that is something that you can ask people to do. But they're probably not going to do it, John Henry. <laughs> And especially because they're they're encouraged now. They have flags that encourage them to do it. They're basically be given the green light. You know, when you drive down uh, city streets and suburban streets nowadays, you can see flags on the side of the road, outside of people's houses, pride flags, waving all of this on. So, I mean, I I don't know I I don't know what the end is. Is it going to get to the point where? It's such a, an emergency. It talks about here um, after the second meeting called on Thursday with case numbers rising further, where Tedros said he was worried. And he quotes, it says, I need your advice in assessing the immediate and midterm public health implications, Tedros told the meeting, which lasted more than six hours. Well, I got to tell you, that is a rather ironic. I know. 
<laughs> statement to make, huh? Midterm? Yeah. Mid-term. Remember who protects you, folks. It's like somebody standing behind him, like with the bat, you know, just letting the bat fall down into his hand over and over again. You know, it's just like, uh, remember who protects you, folks. Remember who's out there yeah, looking out I mean, for you. When, when he references specifically midterm, I, I don't know. What, what does that bring to your mind, sir? Oh, some sort of scare coming up uh, that would cause a lot more mm. mail-in voting because it's easy to manipulate oh. our mail-in voting system to have yeah. people win that shouldn't the win. Midterm, <laughs> the midterm elections. See, sometimes there's that Freudian slip that comes out, and, and there you go. Yeah. So whenever you know Soros is chirping in his ear, listen here, Teddy T. <laughs> We ain't going down the fucking road. We're going down. And that road we're going down is these people don't like these uh, these mail-in elections. We're having some problems with these Dropbox, man. A couple states are not going to be having that. So I need you to go ahead and uh, pop the monkeypox out there for the people, man. Midterms matters. You got it, John Henry. I mean, the, the, the scheme, we've seen this before. It's like we, we talked about on last episode. Like when It's like a chessboard. Like you know that the move is coming up again. Or, I mean, John Henry, you... you, you getting familiar with jujitsu there. Like when you see like a particular move that a guy does over and over again, like eventually like you got to learn how to block the move here. And uh, this is the move that they've been 4D using. 4D chess with dire consequences. Absolutely. But like, <laughs> and that's what it but is. But look man. at it this way, John Henry, like whenever they're doing a, a setup like this, you know, the setup to the setup, as we talk about here, that whenever they, they go to move to um, have some sort of health scare, who's going to take the bait? It's going to be all the democratically run states, of course, <laughs> or or the Rhino Republican ones too that can just hand it over as well. Because we all know that the Republicans are just as uh, likely to pull their pants down and offer themselves up to oh, yeah. you know the cabal. Oh fuck, Liz Cheney, hell yeah, she'll offer herself the Moloch. Now she's talking about running for president. Meanwhile, she's about as unpopular as a uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, man. But no, man, it's interesting because whenever you're you know you're talking about jujitsu. You know, you have, uh, in my opinion, probably the best grappler that's ever lived named Gordon Ryan. And Gordon Ryan, when he goes into these high-level matches, he knows how he wants to finish the match. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's uh, another kid. He's just this nerd assassin freak, Mike Messamichi, and he was just on Rogan. Um, but same thing. Like These guys are both elite level, the best in the world at this thing. And they always know. You know, Gordon Ryan, he had a, a really big match and he actually went to the judges table and he handed them an envelope and said, don't open this till the end of the match. And at the end of the match, after he subsequently won, they opened it up and it was just a picture of a triangle. And he knew going in that all he had to do was get to the triangle choke and that's how he intended to finish it. <laughs> Same thing with Mike Messamichi and all these guys. You listen to John Donaher talk about it and that's really what it is, is you know what the goal is, but you also know that you have to, it's all about the strategy leading up to the finish. And you just have to get to in a situation in a position where you can finish in that capacity. And it's the same thing here. They know what the goal is, right? So they're going to set that goal, establish the end game, which is mail-in ballots for midterm elections. And now what they're going to do is they're going to methodically strategize, just tweak a little bit, move a little bit, shift a little bit so that they can achieve that goal at the end of the day. Yeah, That's all it is. It's just strategy. It's fucking, you know, Sun Tzu, the art of war. It's what it is right now. And they're at war with our freedom and our U.S. Constitution. And I think this pretty much sums it up just to wrap up this article. In in quotes here, it says uh, from Tedros, I believe, a failure to act 
will have grave consequences for global health. Now, that statement right there that at the end, global health, about the uh, sort of group rights or community rights, and now you can stretch that to the entire globe. So basically, if you oppose anything that they're saying, it could be entirely bullshit. And we know that. <laughs> hey, hey, you know where this is not going to happen at? There's not going to be an outbreak in places like Saudi Arabia. No. There's not going to be an outbreak in Russia. Yeah. There's not going to be an outbreak in Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> right? It, it, why is that? Because their their flamboyancy is that that doesn't exist there. There's a lot of countries globally that aren't, well, fuck, there's no country globally except for maybe Canada that's off the rails as hard as we are with the LGBTQ fucking pronouns and, I mean, pansexual, wolf sexual, all this horse shit. I mean, we've lost our damn minds here. Um, but when you see that, yeah, there's a lot of places it's not going to affect because you don't have people going out in mass having unprotected sex in public places. Yeah. So uh, here's my ask. Those of you that may be in the LGBT community, guys, please just be careful. That's all I'm saying. You know, and the other part, the reason they want to ward this off is because, well, eh, frankly, a lot of those people are their voters. So, yeah. um, you know, that's something else to consider. Well, yeah, you have so, to consider you know, the audience you know, there. I mean, the, the audience is not yeah. us. We're, we're Like people in our community, oh, no. not really scared of monkeypox. They're scared of the effects no. down road of like what the government can do because of monkeypox. Oh, of course. Yeah. Lockdowns, vaccine, vaccinations, all that stuff. But no, I have zero concerns of getting monkeypox. Yeah. All right. Well, and then moving on, let's talk about this. <clears throat> this is from the Daily Mail. Fauci. $800,000 retirement payday. This report suggests the 81-year-old, who is the highest-paid federal employee, will make more than Biden even. Well, <laughs> if oh, you yeah. don't count the Chinese deals there for billions of dollars through his son. I mean, I'm sure, I'm oh, sure oh, Biden's yeah, a little yeah. set up there, right? This is chump change, yeah. <laughs> just to be clear. But, and it says, and rake in uh, 414000 in the first year after hanging up his lab coat. Uh, this is from Morgan Phillips. Uh, and it says White House medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, will be paid a higher, and there's a higher, higher retirement pension than President Biden is paid in a salary, according to a report. Oh, man, that's they need an editor. Fauci's uh, first year pension payout will be 414000 according to an analysis conducted by Open the Books. Oh, I have to look into that site, which is more than 400000 salary the president brings in. The analysis assumed that Fauci will retire in January of 2025. Well, so at least we got a, <laughs> can we start Some a countdown clock <laughs> until 2025 then? Is that, is that the halfway point to the agenda 2030? What's the rest? What's the remaining five years going to look like after Fauci? That's a crazy question. <sighs> we know where we're at now with this motherfucker. What kind of evil cunt is going to replace him? This is kind of what we talked about when they took out the Guidestones. Like, imagine mm. if something more powerful took over than the evil globalist bastards. You know, on like Silas talked about on George Bush's birthday, too, is when the Guidestones, uh, I believe, were put up or taken out or something like that. He mentioned. Uh, uh, we'll have to ask him to make sure. But, um, like, if, if something's going to take over for Fauci, how bad could a post-Fauci creature be? At this point, it can literally be a horned demon. Yes! <laughs> with like little hooves like, and uh, shit with, with glowing yeah. red eyes yeah <laughs> 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 oh, 
like if you guys have seen the the road versus Wade press conference um, of the devil, and if you haven't, it's yeah, actually yeah. fucking hilarious. Obviously, it's satire, but it's so well done. It is so fucking funny. But I feel like we're kind of there. <laughs> Literally, if it's just the horned devil sitting there, uh, people have now, you know, they've been so coerced into accepting anybody into that type of role and just believing it that that, that wouldn't even surprise it's me. Just, we know that we're on a road, right? That we're on rails that are guided by people like Fauci towards 2030. Like that, that's we've established in past episodes that fact, you right? Yeah, Fauci, Tedros. But if he's getting out at 2025, what kind of shit? Like, where are we supposed to be, at least in their plan by then? And how bad can those five years be getting up to 2032? I mean, how bad are the next three years going to be to get to that point? Yeah. I mean, five years is enough for a global genocide with these fucking people. Like if, if that's, if that's the point that we're, we're, we're yep. looking towards, um, that's a nasty five years. That's a real bad five years. I agree. <laughs> but, I totally agree. But it says, uh, Fauci currently earns a federal salary of $480,654. Highest paid federal <sighs> employee in the history of the government. Now he asked that they also estimated that they're at, at open the books that by 2024, he'll be earning 530. Oh, they, they increase it because of inflation. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's his Putin pay hike, we call that, guys. Folks, does your pay do that? Does your pay automatically go higher like that, like theirs does? Wow. Now, that's if he stays on track with the 5% pay bumps he's gotten each year for the last few years. Oh, yay. And he was also the highest compensated employee in all of federal government in both 2021 and 2020. There's a picture of Joe there, just in, in thought that he's just never going to be able to s- sniff girls the same again. Look at how entertained he is by that bottle of water. <laughs> Look at that bottle of water. Right he's like, Look at that bottle I got right sea there, monkeys man. in there. Look at him. You can, can see the sea Look monkeys. That, Look at that. <laughs> Look at that man. They're just swimming around, man. Oh man, that's crazy, man. That's just what they do to him to keep him still for photos. They just give him a man, half man, a bottle man, with sea monkeys in it. Are they really sea monkeys? What, you, what you don't know is that's actually that's not a phone. That's actually an iPad set up with the fucking power. What is it? Powerpuff Girls plan? Yes. <laughs> the cartoon <laughs> Barbie Dreamland. Yes. Look at that man. Look at them little cartoon, pretty little cartoons, man. I wonder. I wonder if I could smell a cartoon. What would that smell like? Especially they smell like candy. <laughs> I like the smell of cotton candy on children. <laughs> it says long serving oh. bureaucrats typically leave public service with cushy pensions. The Office of Personal Management offers 80% of the average of a bureaucrat's three highest paid years in office. And Fauci has long served as the head of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, mm-hmm. NIAID, yeah, a sub agency of the National Institutes of Health or NIH. Now, this is where it doesn't make sense to me, John Henry. Now, and there it says he earns, he out earns his boss. How many professions do you know where people got out earn their boss there? But it says NIH head Francis Collins made two hundred and three. Uh, uh, sorry, two hundred three thousand five hundred last year. And Collins's boss, uh, Health and Human Services uh, Secretary Xavier uh, Becerra, who earned two hundred three thousand five hundred. So, 
how is he getting twice as much? Twice as much? Like to earn twice as much as your boss? What are you what yeah. are you doing there? What kind of what kind of special skills are you bringing to the table? Has anyone seen anything out of Fauci in the past several years since he's been on TV at all? We were like, oh yeah, that motherfucker, he should get paid twice as much as his boss. He does such a great job. He's on it. I don't know. Uh I, I think I might disagree with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like as far as him being a detriment to mankind. Mm. He has done a lot more than any other individual. Oh, he's been the figurehead. Yeah. Cause Collins, you can't put him on yeah. TV. He's too fucking weird. Like he wants to yeah, sing Puff the Magic Dragon by COVID and all this other shit. And like my, when he was yeah. on with Mike, I remember seeing Mike Wallace before Mike Wallace left Fox News. Tuh, spit on the ground when you mentioned him. Um, but, anyways, he was on. Uh, and the only reason why I watched it, folks, is like Mike Wallace was interviewing uh, the, this motherfucker, Collins. And Collins said outright, you can't get sick with COVID if you've been vaccinated. And even Mike Wallace mm-hmm. was like, uh, sir, <laughs> we're having some problems here with, with you saying that because uh, that's, that doesn't appear to be true. And here we are months later. It definitely wasn't true at all, just in case anybody you know, forgot. And um, you know, we're seeing here that this person's still going to stick around. This person that made that same exact claim, like Collins is gone. Collins took his golden parachute and he got the fuck out. He's probably smart. But Becerra and other people like him and Fauci, they also have jobs. They've all made those claims that you weren't going to get sick if you got your fourth booster. And then they got sick after their fourth booster. Then they took Paxlovid and got sick again afterwards. And they're telling you to take that too. <laughs> and, and announced how glad they were that they took their fourth yeah, booster. Yeah, and they were happy they did after it. After being sick after their fourth booster. <laughs> But that's all I mean, that's all I really had to add from this article. But to kind of wrap up this, let's talk about the future of healthcare. Oh, this is interesting. What will the future of healthcare be? Will you be pulling Mm -hmm. into the Amazon hospital near you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's. I mean, when I first saw this, I'm just like, what is happening here? I mean, when you look at these organizations, and and obviously we know that there's basically, you know, five large companies in the United States that own fucking every business, with the exception of small privately owned entities. This is a whole new level of that, man. A whole new level. And so singularity is near. Here we go. Amazon robots are going to be treating you. And it says, well, yeah, let's let's talk about where that can go in a second. Um, Amazon bets 3.9 billion on merger with healthcare company. And this is from Naveen Anthropoli. Uh, We're going to hear from uh, Naveen twice this episode, I believe too. We're going to talk about another uh, unrelated uh, thing in a moment here, but it says amazon.com Inc is planning to buy one medical, a primary healthcare provider and a takeover that would expand the e-commerce giant's presence in the healthcare market. Both companies have entered a definitive merger agreement indicating that Amazon will acquire one medical comprising one life healthcare Inc. The administrative arm of the company and the affiliated healthcare providers for $3.9 billion, according to a July 21st news release. Amazon will pay $18 per share in the all cash transaction and will also acquire One Medical's net debt, the debt rem- remaining after subtracting the company's assets. 
Now, once the companies have the necessary regulatory approval, and I'm sure that they're going to have no problems there. That's kind of what I wanted to bring this up because in case you all didn't know, Amazon has government contracts. Amazon has CIA government contracts. And Amazon also owns the Washington Post. Now, if you didn't know that, and you're putting those two things together in your brain right now, you might say there could be some fuckery afoot <laughs> when it comes to those things. Somebody getting paid by the government that also is supposed to report on the government. Do you think that they're going to be completely objective? Probably not. Um, now, when it comes to your medical care, <laughs> if Amazon takes over your medical care and the government wants you to not have medical care because you're part of a unapproved class of people that should not exist anymore and needs to be depopulated from the earth. Do you think that they're nanobots that are going to be working on you that they're probably working on right now in the future? Do you think you're going to get your nanobots to, to cure your cancer? I don't think so, because you're probably on the list with us just for listening to this. <laughs> so this is where that can, I mean... The scary part of privatization when it comes to um, this sort of privatization, I think something that really gets uh, tripped up a lot in the libertarian circles, too, is that, well, yeah, you get those guys out there that sort of laissez-faire when it comes to um, uh, capitalism, and they'll say, yeah, Amazon should just be able to buy whatever the fuck they want and do what they want. And I kind of get that vibe. But then when you look at what they're actually doing and working with the government, Eric July has been great at pointing this out, too, when it comes to companies that when they're working with the government, um, that's not capitalism. That, that's corporatism. Like these companies like Amazon, Apple, Google, Twitter, they all, they all work with government <laughs> in, in various forms. Facebook works with government in various forms. You know, all the, all the big media companies work with government in various forms. We, we've pointed that out when it came to how they've taken our fucking tax dollars to propagandize you for for COVID and the shots and masks and everything. Like they stole your money to propagandize you into believing things that weren't fucking true. <laughs> so you could just imagine what happens in the future when a company owns the means of production that allow you to live. Think about that. Well, you don't really have much of an option. Like you have Coke or Pepsi, live or die, and live is owned by Amazon and the government. That's not a really good option to me. I'd rather have a third choice there. I'd rather have a Mountain Dew choice at least to that one. <laughs> you know, may, let, let me take some herbs or some shit. You know, will that even be available in the future? Will you be able to get like natural types of medications and supplements and other things in the future? They've wanted to destroy that for a long time, haven't they, John Henry? In fact, our old friend, old friends, John McCain, back in the day, wanted to destroy that industry, along with MMA. He wanted to destroy MMA, too. He thought that was like cockfighting. Well, that's because he wants men to be emasculated. <laughs> Absolutely. It's toxic masculinity. Um, it, ironically, my wife just sent me a video, I think yesterday, about going back through, you know, what one big pharma was being developed into big pharma, um, about how anti-natural herbs and natural uh, healing um, that they really were, and they were trying to fight that. 
And, you know, we see that today. I mean, it's something as simple as, you know, CBD and, you know, medical marijuana and all of that. I mean, obviously that's become much more accepted, but look how much of a battle there was for that. And then you even look at things like, you know, I mean, I'm going off a little bit different route here with any type of natural remedies, but, um, you know, even like ivermectin, yeah. you know, and, and what they started to understand that what that was doing for diseases other than COVID from people taking that on a much bigger scale. Yeah. So they want to be in control, man. They want to say this is, you know, to, to your point, it's 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 Coke. Like that's what you're drinking <laughs> because you have no choice. Nothing else exists. Yeah, and and well, that leads back to the war on agency too. Like if people drink two liters of Coca Cola every day, you're probably going to get type two diabetes. Your foot's probably going to fucking fall off. Then you you have to go to nothing but Amazon for your care because they're going to own everything. Like if they own if they've taken out retail. <laughs> The way that they have in the past several years, imagine what something like Amazon can do to your healthcare system locally. Now, those healthcare systems locally are probably already corrupted. They have their, their, their slew of different problems. Um, they create malpractice all the time. Um, but you, if it's down to just Amazon owning it, you think that they're making an. In- People would argue that Amazon itself, like it's a, a person almost, is making an individual decision if it wants to go with. Um, treating people with ivermectin or not like say that there there was like an outbreak of a of a variant that was like super you know jazzed up right they supercharged a variant out there they released it into the public right before the midterms people are dropping like flies and then amazon goes you know what in all of our amazon hospitals and medical systems we don't believe in ivermectin so we're not gonna we're not gonna allow our, any of our patients that are coming here for care to get that. And if that's the only game in I town, I remember which herb <laughs> there was an herb that was massively distributed, and it was in all in like GNCs. And when people started taking that, and there was some effectiveness against COVID, that they pulled it off the shelves. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out which one it was, but I remember that specifically wow. um, because Doctor Zelenko was talking about how. You know, you could just walk in and purchase this specific thing from Whole Foods, from everything, and, and all of the distributors, GNC, Whole Foods, they pull. Well, rest in peace, Dr. Zelenko, but that brings up a great point here. How many Dr. Zelenkos can work in a medical system that are owned by Amazon? You know, if you're if you're a good doctor, if you're a Zero. white hat doctor, right, and you actually believe in your fucking Hippocratic Oath, and you really want to heal people and save lives, and Amazon doesn't. You're not just you're just not going to work there. You're not going to work in that industry. As if they dominate that industry and they're evil cunts that want to destroy the population of the earth, <laughs> then you rather go along with that and work in the system and, and get paid, or you're not. You're going to have to do something else. You're going to have to be a barista somewhere, you know, with your medical degree. You're just not going to be able to work in that industry, and it's sad. I mean, it says once the companies have the necessary regulatory approval in the article, it says, and the merger gets the green light from one medical shareholders, the transaction will be complete. One medical CEO, Amir Dan Rubin, is slated to remain in his post after the deal. And one medical is a tech powered primary care organization, it says, that provides in person, digital and virtual care services that you will probably only have access to if your ESG score is high enough. Because if not, then you just die. (laughs) The company says it seeks to make scheduling appointments, accessing health records, and renewing prescriptions easier for patients. Here's something. Do we want Amazon 
to have access it's to your fucking health records? <laughs> but they already do. The database. <laughs> oh, they yeah. already do. If you have my chart, which is interesting, right? So, you know, I, I had to go um had a little bit of a, an injury in, in uh jujitsu class, right? And now it's like uh you have to go on my chart. Uh, you could only read doctor's notes and everything. It wasn't his ego, folks. Digital form. <laughs> no, 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 no. That 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 will get bruised quickly. Um, so you know, if that's something you decide to partake in, you go in there with some humility and be very oh, humble yeah. and understand you're going to get choked out by. You're like, I'm an athletic guy. I could definitely fend off this five four person. That <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not the case. Um, yeah, it's interesting having a spider monkey choke you till the point where you're you know seeing stuff. Yeah, but it's good. It's good. It's uh, it teach you a lot about yourself. Yep. So I actually really <laughs> like that part. I'm like, fuck, this is great. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so now you have all these things digital. So they already have they have your information. But again, everything is under the guise of convenience. But then it makes us 100 percent reliant. So I was having this conversation with my wife, right? So we don't shop at Target anymore. We're really trying to do a good job. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't have Netflix anymore. But there's that one fucking monster, you know, it's like the Kraken that we can't get away from, which is Amazon, right? And it's like, we live in a place where, you know, you guys know I live in Hawaii and I live in a particular place in Hawaii where, you know, like, yeah, we have a Walmart, but it's not like a Walmart on the mainland. We have a Costco, but it's not the same thing as far as what we have readily available and accessible to us here. And we're so fucking dependent on Amazon. It's like all the little shit that we need. We need something for my daughter or certain size shoes. Like it's by default, it's always just Amazon, 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 you know, and it's created this dependency, right? Well, think about that just in the form of shopping. Now think about that with your health, because now so many things are, are transitioning to telehealth where now you're completely dependent on this entity. And to number six's point if you want to utilize this entity, well, you have to give us all of your data. Not that they don't have most of it already. That's a fucking scary proposition, man. And it goes to all their business partners. So oh, every every major manufacturer oh, of whatever the fuck it is, insert whatever, a car company, Absolutely. everything. If the, uh, the shoe company that you buy the, your daughter's shoes from, John Henry, is going to have your full medical background. <laughs> well, it's not Nike. I'll tell you that much because I do not support fucking slave labor. No. And we're actually going to talk about slave labor here um, in, in a second. Um, let's let's uh, let's switch over to this. Um, let's this is from the Activist Post, and is actually by way of our friend Guard Goldsmith with his newsletter that comes out every Sunday. So thanks, Guard. Um, but uh, this is the semiconductor industry is coming for your wallet as usual, and Congress is complicit. I like that. This is uh, from July twenty second. So uh, this is from Patrick Carroll, and it says all. Of all the problems in the world right now, the chip shortage, and we've talked about this in past episodes, John Henry, about how crazy this could get. The chip shortage probably isn't the chief concern for most people. And that's a mistake. But that doesn't mean it's not a serious issue. The auto and tech sectors have faced unprecedented delays and rising prices in recent months. How's used cars out in your area, John Henry? How is it to get any type of vehicle (laughs) with even a more limited supply because of just where you are geographically? I can only imagine what it's like out there because of the just limited supply to begin with. And then when you enter in what happened with chips and cars, in case you folks don't know out there, 
what we're what we're talking about here these chips that are used in vehicles and other things by major manufacturers um they can't make cars without them basically anymore so if they can't make cars that that means that there's less cars on the market and the demand just doesn't go away so then all the prices for those cars skyrocket and when you live in a geographical area that's isolated and there's only so few to go in the first freaking place man a, a $5,000 beater <laughs> becomes like a $10,000 car overnight almost. <laughs> so now it says here that the auto and tech sectors have faced unprecedented delays and rising prices in recent months. Some used cars are even selling for more than their new counterparts because of the delays. A sure sign that production has slowed dramatically. Wow. Imagine buying a used car and the price, the value of it actually goes up. <laughs> Kelly Blue Book, that's never happened before. Um, the ad, to address this, Congress is contemplating bipartisan legislation known as the CHIPS Act, which would provide $52 billion in grants and $24 billion in tax credits to the U.S. semiconductor industry. That says thanks to a last-minute bipartisan amendment. Of course, anything that they push that's bipartisan is usually garbage. Uh, the bill, which also puts tens of billions of dollars towards various federal agencies, bringing the total price tag to $250 billion. And I like this because why not? <laughs> exactly. The Senate voted to advance the bill on Tuesday, which means it will likely hold a vote on final passage in the coming days. If passed, the bill will then go to the House for passage. And assuming that it is successful, it would then go to President Biden for signature into law because they're doing something. I love that argument. Well, at least they're doing something about it. Well, bitch, by them doing something about it, is that going to create a worse situation than you, than you begin with? Have you thought about that? Do you think in layers? Do you think in stages? Well, we do. <laughs> and, and so does this person here writing this article. It says the main arguments for the bill were summarized earlier this week in Wall Street Journal op-ed penned by Jim Farley and Pat Gelsinger, the CEOs of Ford and Intel, respectively. Gee, you think that they make shit there at Ford and Intel? <laughs> you think that they might know that there's something happening here? It says the pandemic supply chain shock. Think about that. When people say, oh, the pandemic did this to me. No, the supply chain shutdowns by the government did this. But it says because of that, though, that exposed a problem that had been mounting for years, they write. The U.S. share of global chip manufacturing has declined to 12% from 37% in 1990. And South Korea and Taiwan, notably, and we've talked about Taiwan and the, what could happen if China just rolled up there and took over, um, how bad that could possibly be. But it says notably has spent years actively investing in and read subsidizing, it says in, in parentheses here, or, uh, brackets, uh, their own chip manufacturing, creating an uneven playing field with U.S. chip ma makers that harms our economy and global competitiveness. Now, that sounds like a good explanation as to why that happened, but I, that's not the full story, obviously. They go on to list the disruptions that have occurred into the auto, consumer electronics, and healthcare industries because of the shortage. Yes, the machines that may keep you alive, they might not be able to aff afford those or be able to get them because of chip shortages. So that's bad too. And they warn that the national defense uh, is also at stake. 
Now, in quotes, it says, fortunately, a solution is within reach. They continue, a solution. I like how they use that word, Hegelian dialectic. Uh, referring to the CHIPS Act, in addition to the boosting production of leading edge and legacy chips, the act would help level the playing field, they say, with global competitors. Now, whenever, folks listening out there, have you seen the government take action to level the playing field, as they would claim, and then they actually do that? Well, they'll talk about that in the article. It says, this legislation is vital to many American industries, including ours, that have dealt with significant disruptions. It says, by funding the CHIPS Act, they conclude Congress will help consumers protect patients and strengthen the American economy and national security. But it says here, the problem with corporate subsidies, I like how they go into this. At first glance, the op-ed might seem innocuous. And this is what we talk about with so many different topics here on the show, folks. So many different topics, they come out with these great, what seem to be like common sense explanations of things. And we're doing this because of this, and this is why it's going to solve the problem. But because they don't, you, most people never get into the weeds whenever it comes to these issues. They don't know the full scope of the story. And as it goes, when you learn more about it, you figure out where the bullshit lies. You figure out where the problem starts. And it's usually with their solution itself. <laughs> that yes, the solution that they're offering you to fix the problem itself is the problem. But it says here, at first glance, the op-ed might seem innocuous, even well-intentioned, but it doesn't take much to realize what's really going on here. The companies run by these CEOs stand to gain billions of taxpayer dollars, not just tax credits, but government grants if this legislation passes. Do you really think they wrote that because they care about the American economy and national defense? It says, give me a break. They wrote it because they all want the money. So they're, they're sandbagging the industry so they can get this. Oh, now it's a crisis. Now it's a problem. So now they get free money for their, for their industry, for their business. I wish I could be a part of a business, John Henry, where I could run that business into the fucking ground just so I can get government subsidies to fund my business for me. Because then I don't have to worry about making a profit. I don't even have to worry about producing a good product. <laughs> like, haven't we talked about, like, in the past, like, uh, of Solyndra and other companies like that, you know, the old Obama thing. We're, we're talking about the solar panels now coming from John uh, John Kerry, too. Uh, all these uh, green energy schemes have been proven to be absolute garbage and have been f complete financial failures. But they always get government subsidies. They get government subsidies for ethanol, too. Ethanol is straight trash. It's terrible for your car. It's inefficient. It pollutes more and it drives up the cost of food, which in the third world, like if you're if, if you're in Central America in a not so nice place and your staple is corn and that's how you survive, well, all the costs of corn went up because of these subsidies. Good things do not happen because of government subsidies. That's, can we just, can, can we make that like a rule? <laughs> now it says here, so what's wrong with these their arguments? For starters, it says, that's the classic problem of opportunity cost. $52 billion taxpayer dollars being poured into these industries is $52 billion taxpayer dollars that can't be poured into other industries. 
The government is not creating resources. It is simply reallocating them. Yes, that means that subsidies are theft. <laughs> right? And it's to be by no means obvious that this is the best use of these funds. Notably, the free market tends to allocate resources much better than the government because, unlike Congress, it is guided by actual consumer demand. Additionally, the CEOs conflate strengthening their businesses with strengthening the American economy. Of course, you have to tie it to another group, so it makes it look like it's not just you benefiting. But it says, in reality, these are two very different things. If it's cheaper to buy semiconductors from companies in foreign countries, it would be economically inefficient to produce these products in America. It would be better to let the domestic producers take losses and ultimately fail. Wow, think about that too. And we're talking about Ford here again, folks. Do you remember when we bailed out these motherfuckers years ago? Remember when they stole our tax dollars for those subsidies? Did that work out better for you? Did you get a better car out of it? Were things less costly for you to buy a car? No. It's actually more expensive now and even more expensive because of the decisions made by the government that these people fund. Don't forget that Ford and Intel, these motherfuckers up here, don't forget that they have an enormous impact on our political uh, uh, landscape, that these are the people funding the candidates, right? <laughs> these are the people donating hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to candidates, candidates not even in their districts in which they live in. These are the people that fund them. Wow. Now, it says additionally, the CEOs conflate the strengthening their businesses. Yes. But if it's cheaper to buy semiconductors from companies in foreign countries, it would be economically inefficient to produce these product, products in America. It would be better to let domestic producers take losses and ultimately fail so their capital could be reallocated to better uses. Now, the easiest way to get your first Bitcoin ad, it says. <laughs> We're not doing any Bitcoin ads here. What is Bitcoin out to uh, right now? I haven't even looked into something like that, John Henry, in a while. Oh, man. Uh, I know that uh, it's taken a hit as of recently, but um, that's something that we haven't really covered recently. Hmm. I'm wondering. Now, it's... Oh, we're getting an update. $21,880. Now that's down for, where was it like a couple months ago? 60000 or something like that? It's down to like a third of the cost. Um, it was up to just shy of 70000 in November. Wow. And it is $21,880 right now. I mean, so still up for a lot of people where they bought in, but uh, yeah. Sure. Man, I've seen people. Ooh. I know. I know people personally that uh, bought in a little while ago, and they are not happy. They yeah, yeah. I mean, if you bought one Bitcoin, you've lost fifty grand. I mean, that's no. that's another part of this global economy that that's happening right now. The influences of governments around the world have influenced the cost of Bitcoin, including our own. And now we're looking at, um, I mean, China's definitely played a lot, a big hand in that when we're talking about these chips. When you talk about supply chain too, like the way that they can affect that sort of digital currency, even by the same measures, you know, all it takes to, to, you know, all it really took to bring Bitcoin down from its, you know, high of 60,000 to 21,000 now, John Henry, the same as that it's done to take the cost of these chips from where they were and make them go up. 
Which is interesting because gold is down too. Gold is down to seventeen twenty nine an ounce, and it was over two thousand. Well, because Russia uh, switched March. to gold too. Russia switched yeah, to gold March and Bitcoin, so they had to drive gold and Bitcoin down to in order to affect mm-hmm. Russia, supposedly. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, buy gold, people. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time to buy in buy gold for sure. Absolutely. Actually, I'd like to hear from um, Tony Arterburn on that. Um, I have to go back and uh, listen to some of his recent shows, what he's been saying about that stuff. Uh, he's been a good resource for that. So you have to catch up on him. But it says, um, here, of course, the lobbyists have a rejoiner. The only reason it's cheaper to buy semiconductors from foreign countries, they say, is because foreign governments subsidize their semiconductor producers. We need a level playing field, it says. But people who are otherwise proponents of free markets are often sympathetic to this line of reasoning. After all, it's not really the case that American producers are inefficient, right? (laughs) I like that. If only there was a level playing field, they could compete just fine. But it says Rothbard tackles this thinking head-on in his book, Making Economic Sense. When someone starts talking about fair competition, or indeed about fairness in general, he writes... It is time to keep a sharp eye on your wallet, for it is about to be picked. <laughs> Great way to put it, man. Great way to put it. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely creeping corporatism, if you ask me, like this stuff. But sure enough, that's exactly what's happening here. It says, after addressing some other arguments, Rothbard turns to the issue of foreign government subsidies that allow foreign companies to engage in dumping. That is, selling products to American consumers below cost. Another charge claims that Japanese or other foreign firms can afford to engage in dumping because their governments are willing to subsidize their losses, he writes. But again, this is like we were talking about before, John Henry, with being willing to lose a couple hands of poker in order to uh, to get to that one big hand. (laughs) That that, that governments are willing to lose money to edge out other people in this long-term market because they know that that ultimate control of controlling this market means that you can control the technological flow of innovation. Like you can't build shit that's in the tech area without this stuff. I mean, maybe that's a good thing. I don't want to be a Luddite. You know, I don't I'm necessarily, you know, all about, I, I like the modern pleasantries in life. You know, I'm using a computer right now that uses chips like this in order to speak to you people. But wouldn't we be better off, John Henry, if we had a few less chips in the world and we had a few, you know, I I don't want to say when it comes to life-saving medical machinery, (laughs) but just when it comes to just stupid shit um, that people are sucked into, it would probably be better off maybe, you know, with a few less things like that. But um, it says here, though, if you swap out a Japanese Sony uh, or Taiwanese semiconductor, and Rothbard might as well be writing in 2022, the point is, economically well-being or economic well-being is ultimately about consumers, not producers. If foreign governments are willing to subsidize semiconductors, making them cheaper for Americans, then we might as well take the gift. True, it's not a free market, but it doesn't help to adopt bad pol- public policy because simply because other nations are also doing it. So if everyone else is jumping off a bridge, I guess uh, we shouldn't. But uh, what politics is actually about, it says, what, what's curious about corporate subsidies like this is that large swaths of both the left and right, yes, are opposed to them. Right-wingers oppose corporate subsidies because they are funded with taxpayer dollars and have the government picking winners and losers in the market. 
Yes, that's corporatism. Left-wingers oppose corporate subsidies because they help big corporations at the expense of the little guy. Yes, that's true. So if both sides of the political spectrum have good reasons for opposing this measure, it's worth asking ourselves, who exactly is promoting this? Yes, the answer is the establishment. It's important to understand that the real world of politics is somewhat different from the ideological debates we see online and in the news. Sure, politicians know how to say the right things, but when it comes down to it, most of their job is about appeasing special interest groups. This is what we were talking about. Uh, From semiconductor companies to the military industrial complex to farmers to unions, the list is long. Uh, Ambrose Bierce has a great quote that really captures this idea. Giving a satirical definition of politics in the Devil's Dictionary, he writes. That sounds like a cool book. Uh, In quotes, politics, noun. A strife of interests masquerading as a contest of principles. (laughs) Awesome. The conduct of public affairs for private advantage. Man, I don't think you can say it better than that, John Henry. (laughs) That, that pretty much puts it in perspective. So moving on, let's talk about private interests here and how it affects the public, how it affects the individual. Folks out there driving a Hyundai, I, I've, I've, I've rode in a few Hondas in my life. I don't think they're bad cars or anything like that. I'm not going to say you're a bad person if you have one of these things, because if you're driving a Tesla you know, and you like it and you think that you're saving the earth, you're, pro- you're probably not there. And, and your battery that, that runs your car was made by slaves. But the, the chips that come from, you know, Xinjiang and places like that too are also made by slaves. And, uh, but it, the, the car that you're riding in though, you probably don't want it made in Alabama by people that are like 13. So here it says the Daily Mail, as many as 50 children, Talk about human trafficking being used to supply the corporatism, too. This is the Biden administration at play here, folks. As young as 12, it says, are found working at Hyundai Supplier Factory in Alabama. After cops launched Search for Girl 13, who ran away with a 21-year-old worker. Yes. Now, folks out there, in case you haven't been paying attention as much to what's been happening in the area of migration into this country... We have had a shitstorm <laughs> the past few months, uh, thanks to the Biden administration. They have let a sea of people into this country. Now, you can argue that, yes, people should have the freedom of movement and be able to go in and out. Maybe the state should handle that, too. Maybe your locality should be able to handle the immigration coming in and out. But uh, because of the misunderstanding, and our friend Gard Goldsmith has pointed this out on numerous occasions, because we have the misunderstanding that the federal government is somewhat responsible for these things, we've allowed them to create this situation now. Well, we have a flood of people coming into the country, and these people, of course, include children, and these children then have to go somewhere. Well, where do they go? Well, they go to work in the factories. They, they go to making the shit uh, for companies like Hyundai and others um, that we're all buying. And we have to ask ourselves that an, as a nation, um, are we okay with that? I, for one, vote no. We are not okay with that. I am not okay with child slave labor. Um, it's great that we can bring people into our country. It's great that we can have an immigration system. 
uh, where we can allow people to come here from different areas. I want people that are coming from, if you're a refugee, if you're a political dissident, say that you're like, um, well, Julian Assange isn't coming here that way, but it would be great if other people and dissidents and whistleblowers like him could come here and actually be free. (laughs) Um, I I want that sort of thing to happen. I I want people to be able to come here and make a living for themselves if they're going to provide a good to our society. But I don't want them sneaking their children across the border so they can go make a fucking car. Like, that's disgusting. And and what kind of environment are you putting them into? Like, if you're creating this sort of black market, John Henry, by these terrible immigration policies that we have from our federal government, like, if this is the shit we're hearing uh, about on the Daily Mail, you can imagine the extent of of the horrors that happen to these people. Um, But let's read on. It says, migrant children have allegedly been found working at a Hyundai supplier in Alabama. In Alabama, too. Like, these kids come in the border states, and they're shipped by the the Biden administration in planes all around the country. Are they going to serve these companies like Hyundai? Is that like a business deal that he has that we're not supposed to know about? Is that on the laptop, too? You know, the one that was supposed to be supposed Russian disinformation? But it says uh, their police launched a probe into the disappearance of a 13-year-old girl who ran away with a 21-year-old plant employee. Sounds great. Uh, Smart, S-M-A-R-T, Alabama, in Laverne, an automotive parts manufacturer that has supplied parts for Hyundai since 2003, reportedly fired multiple underage workers, some as young as 12. How do you get past the screening process there? Do they have like a second interview when it comes to that stuff? Do you just show up every day like, I like parts? And they're like, yeah, jump on the line. You can work with this machine, right? You know, it's just 12. I understand Little League World Series. Like they've had an issue with the Little League World Series in the past. The kids come up for the Dominican and they're like 25 and not 12 and they're hitting fucking home runs. Like you could sneak one or two. Like we, we know a couple people that can't grow beards. They just got that eternal baby face. You know, they could sneak in there maybe, but 12, 12, they were definitely up to some shady shit there. Now it says as publicly around the missing girls uh, case heated up, a former employee alleged that as many as 50 underage workers, 50 of them were employed across various shifts when he was working at the plant. The accusations date back to February Amber, uh, a February Amber alert regarding Edie Araceli Zeecock? I don't know. Who? Uh, what is with up with names recently? Names have gotten worse on this show. <laughs> worse. I started out pretty good with it. I, I was pretty confident that I could you read did. names. Now I'm just, yeah. I, I'm doubting myself. <laughs> but she had briefly, I hate to make fun because she had briefly disappeared from her family's home in the town of Enterprise. No relation to the rent-a-car. Uh, alongside with 20-year-old Alvaro Cock and her two brothers. Kukul. So, Kuk, Zikuk ran away with the Kukul. I feel like we're talking about Klaus Schwab here. Isn't that something that would come out of his mouth? Zikuk ran away with the Kukul? Zikuk? Yeah. <laughs> well, Kuk and her two brothers, aged 12 and 15. you are going to have freedom? You are Zikuk? Get the Kuk and the Kukul. The kukul. <laughs> oh, man. But age tw- but 12 and 15 uh, all worked at the plant. Earlier this year, it says, 
and we're going to school. Now we're still paying for them to go to school, folks. You're you're okay. <laughs> so here's what's what doesn't make sense to me here. Right. So you you hear the old democratic democratic speaking point that you know, U.S. citizens won't do the jobs that illegal immigrants will do. That's why they're necessary. But all of that goes back to OSHA, <clears throat> right? So a lot of these jobs that they do, well, it, these companies are, are either producing, whether it's crops or whatever, manufacturing, they're doing things in a dangerous manner, right? Where they can't have U.S. citizens do these jobs because they'll get reported to OSHA. Right, because somebody well, that lives in the United States doesn't have fear of reprise that they're going to be removed from the country. So in this situation, when you look at Hyundai, giant global manufacturer of vehicles and many, 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 many other things beyond that, Hyundai makes a lot of stuff, man. It's it, it's just crazy because how do they pay them? Right? Did they just? I mean, are they? It, it's, it's surprising to see such a large organization based within the U.S., domestic-based facility to employ children, children ages 12 and 15. How does a 12-year-old cash a check, John Henry? I mean, is that... A- well, it, it, I mean, just a check-cashing place? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, think about the industry that exists there, right? You know, when we talk about this black market, like, think about all the network of industries that benefit from yeah. this. And folks, if you're not familiar, when I say, I don't want to sound like an idiot when I say a check cashing place, Mm -hmm. but you know, whether or not you're from the U S we have, you know, typically in very low income areas, there are places specifically what they do is cash checks. So for people that don't have bank accounts, they charge a high percentage, you know, let's say your checks 500 bucks are going to take 10%, right? And that might not sound like a lot of money to some people, but somebody that's low income, that's a lot of fucking money, man. So what they do is, you know, they basically prey on low income people that don't have bank accounts in, in cash checks there. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing that I was getting at. It's just like when you read stories like this, though, like I think about all of the evil that exists because of it, like all of the different industries that perpetuate this and want it to keep going because they benefit. I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, to call that capitalism, too. Like there, there's mm. people that just mix that up so much. Like libertarians, even they're just like, oh, they're just you know they're just letting people come here and doing the things. Like no, that these are twelve and fifteen year old kids. And it says here too, after they launched a manhunt for uh, for Kukul, another Guatemalan migrant and smart worker around the same time with whom Z believed uh, she might be using cell phone geolocation data. Ooh, uh, police located Kukul and the girl in a parking lot in Athens, Georgia, the same day she was reported missing. Hey, 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 hey. Based on 2,000 mules, we know that that's not accurate information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the geolocation so I think they tracking. they just got lucky here. They just got lucky here. <laughs> yes. The girl told officers then that Kukul was a friend and that they had traveled the nearly 300-mile journey to look for more work. Kukul was arrested and later deported. <laughs> Man. And then after the disappearance generated local news coverage, Smart allegedly dismissed a number of underage workers, according to two former employees and other locals familiar with the plan. The sources said that police attention raised fears that authorities could soon crack down on underage workers. And I think that's the accusations. Yeah, the Amber Alert Friday, the, that's the picture that they released. 
that this young girl ran away with a with a worker. So, but let's move on to a different topic here. Let's talk about Steve Bannon. This one from the New York Post. Steve Bannon Big unfazed. Balls Bannon, we call him. Yeah, yeah. It says unfazed by contempt of Congress conviction. It says if I go to jail, so be it. This is from Patrick Riley. Now, um, it says I got to tell you, man. Yeah. Like, get your thoughts. I was shocked how brief this trial was. Well, I've had some explanation from our friend Lisa Belanger. She's had a like a little bit. Well, give me some insight. Yeah, she's because I mean, it, it like I feel like they did the jury selection. Next thing you know, Bannon's guilty. She, Days later, she's had a little bit of legal experience, and uh, she okay. said that it's all down to his defense, the way that they've treated hey, this. Hold on one second. <laughs> Shout out to Donald. Yes. The intern. Thank you, Donald, the intern. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Keeping shit on track for us. <laughs> right now, Lisa's going, you son of a bitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But um, yeah, so, but she said that, yes, uh, Bannon could have just gone there and pled the fifth. And, and that may have given him some protection uh, to this. Um, he wouldn't do it. Would, but uh, so... Because of that, though, you rather do that for two reasons. You you don't do the right move because you're stupid, or you don't do the right move because you're smart and you're actually set. Mm-hmm. It's the setup to the setup. Yeah, I don't think Bannon's stupid. Yeah, that's the problem. You know, so like, where's the where does this all lead? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's definitely something I'd like to get uh, Lisa's thoughts on some more. But um, uh, it says here in the article, Steve Bannon on Friday night. Didn't seem phased by his conviction on two counts of contempt of Congress, declaring in an interview, if I go to jail, so be it. Uh, the former White House strategist offered up the nonchalant remarks in an appearance on Fox News' Tucker Carlson just hours after he was found guilty on the contempt charges. He says, if I go to jail, I go to jail, the 68-year-old said. I will never back off. He continued, I support Trump and the Constitution, except for the Fifth Amendment, apparently, and I'm not backing off one inch. If I go to jail, so be it. Uh, Bannon faces a minimum. Get the fuck out of here, Papa. Uh, Bannon faces a minimum sentence of sixty days in prison, and a maximum of two years behind bars for refusing to comply with a subpoena from the White House Select Committee investigating the January sixth Capitol Hill riot, as well as a fine of up to two thousand dollars. His sentencing was set for October twenty first. Now, here's another crazy thing that i have to throw out there so if he gets 60 days in prison right that that that, that's effectual whenever it comes to like punishment or making uh some sort of example yes but if they give him up to two years john henry that takes him out of the election cycle now bannon is a pretty outspoken person um, you may disagree completely with those of us here on the center right to right or whatever the fuck or libertarian circles even. You, you could argue against you know his tactics and the shit that he goes about and says, but uh, you can't argue that the dude doesn't have an impact, that he isn't an influencer you know, on, on, and isn't going to be an influential voice on the election in 2024. So... Is this a, uh, just another way to remove his voice, you know, to remove yet another influence uh, for the right uh, off of the chessboard? Um, it could be, but is he removing himself off the chessboard? And if he is, why would he? Why wouldn't he want to be on the chessboard for Trump in twenty twenty four? 
you know, that's the other thing. Like he he got hired and fired. You know, he's sort of famous for working with Trump, but he it says as we move further on in the article, like he didn't even really work for Trump for all that long. It says he plans to appeal the decision and outside the courthouse Friday, Bannon attorneys, uh, David Schoen, that's the name of the person, uh, was confident that the appeals process would succeed. Why are they so confident? Telling reporters it was bulletproof. Is it though? Um, we've got a long appeals process. I think the law is with us on a number of situations. Is Bannon just relying on these people or does he know what's going on here too? Um, is he being duped by his his attorneys? There's so many questions I have here. Uh, Bannon told Carlson, I think that some of this is really going to be adjudicated, maybe even higher than the appellate courts. So I, that's another thing that Lisa brought up. He thinks Supreme Court maybe going all the way to the Supreme Court with this too and getting them involved, seeing that, uh, well, you can't rely on Congress because Congress gave us this, these stupid fucking hearings in this committee, right? You know, so th- they're done. The presidency, that <laughs> obviously a little skewed here uh, whenever it comes to the influence. So, of course, they want to jail their political opponents, especially before an election, especially someone that's worked for elections. But um, he, he says, Bannon, I'm going to fight this all the way. Now, all the way means to me Supreme Court. So that's where it has to be leading. Uh, Bannon's legal team declined to present a defense. Didn't even present one. So that's an easy day at the office. Uh, his attorneys argued that the former advisor to Donald Trump did not defy a subpoena from the House Select Committee, claiming that the deadline for him to sit for a deposition and hand over documents was flexible, as long as lawyers from both sides were negotiating. Bannon's lawyers insisted he did not have to submit documents to give des- testimony to the Select Committee because he was protected by the former President Donald Trump's claim of executive privilege despite having been fired from his position at the White House in August of 2017. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he really wasn't there all that long. But to date, only one other former Trump aide, trade advisor Peter Navarro, has been indicted for ignoring a January 6th committee subpoena. Earlier this month, a spokesperson for Navarro revealed um, he turned down a plea offer that would have required him to plead guilty. And yes, let's talk about plead offers to plead guilty. Let's transition to this from the Epic Times. This is unfortunate news for folks out there that have been following these January 6th uh, defendants and these stories. Um, this is the title, uh, another one from our friend Naveen Anthropoli again. January 6th accused dies by suicide while awaiting sentencing. Just like to note, this is the second one. Yeah, after Matthew Perna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it says here, a man from Lycoming County awaiting his sentencing for illegally entering the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th breach died on July 20th. Now, John Henry, you brought this up last week, and somebody else um, brought it up on Twitter this past week, I saw too, that um, this person here, Mark R. Angst, I think I'm pronouncing that right, 47 of South Williamsport, was declared to have committed suicide by coroner Charles E. Kiesling Jr., according to Penn Live, a gas field well service technician by trade. Honest has survived. That's a real working man's fucking job, too. Has survived. Well, let's think about this. Mm. His career is being attacked. Yeah. As an individual, he's being attacked. Wonder why he has supported this, President Trump, right? This man lost all hope. Mm-hmm. 
He lost all fucking hope, man. Uh, I mean, he is a casualty of this war against freedom, against democracy. I mean, it, it's so fucking terrible. He had to have known what it's Biden so was going to do to this country that day. When he, show up, when he showed up on January 6th, he had to have known what Biden was going to do to his to his country because of what was going to happen I mean, in his he industry. made his war on fossil fuels crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Crystal clear. So why wouldn't this man want to stand up? I mean, genuinely. Why wouldn't he want to speak out knowing that, hey, you know, I, I can lose my ability to support my child. It's fucking travesty, man. And because of Terrible. that, because of that, impact john henry like you mentioned because it would drive someone like this person to go and want to go and march on the capitol that day right because of the situation they'd been placed in may he had been drawn into a trap as admiral akbar famously said it's a trap absolutely and let's talk about that it says on january 6 2021 Ankh believes uh traveled by bus to Washington to attend former President Donald Trump's Stop the Steal rally. He and a companion co-defendant Tammy A. Bronsberg joined other people in the march to the Capitol. In court, the prosecution presented evidence of Onks and Bronsberg entering the Capitol around 2.45 p.m. and leaving 30 seconds later. 30 seconds. How long were the motherfuckers from the Colbert report in the Capitol, John Henry? This is the point I was getting at when I started this. People shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These were these those people were charged with the same exact thing. The same exact charges. This is what was brought up on Twitter by the person, and you brought it up last week, John Henry. These people that were charged with four counts, including a misdemeanor charge for parading or demonstrating inside a restricted building, disorderly conduct in a restricted building, entering and remaining in a restricted building, and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building. All of those charges, John Henry, could have been placed upon the Colbert Report's crew and the stupid fucking dog puppet motherfucker. All those people. These people charged with the same thing. This guy ends up being a political pariah. You know, someone that was probably persecuted in his personal life. God only knows what kind of shit he had to deal with from people. And even people on his own fucking side. Calling him a traitor to his country. Or pressuring him to taking plea deals, maybe. For the federal government to rack up more guilty pleas. And maybe he didn't want to go along with it. That's just something I'm floating out there. We'll we'll follow up on that in the future. But it says in court, the prosecutor presented evidence, Ons and Bronsberg entering the Capitol around 2.45 p.m. I'm going to read this again. And leaving 30 seconds later. And after 23 minutes, the duo once more entered the building, taking images and videos on their cell phones as they walked around the place and entered Senate Room 145. Bronsberg then posted a video she took while inside the Capitol on her Facebook account. They took pictures, folks. They took pictures and videos. That's all they did. How the fuck is that parading or whatever the fuck they were charged with? I don't know. The last three counts were to be dismissed at the time of sentencing. Thank goodness. For the misdemeanor charge, Angst and Bronsberg pleaded guilty. Angst sentencing was scheduled for September 27th. Gee, right before October. Why would they want to schedule all those sentencings before October? What's happening then? Hmm. 
if found guilty, he could have faced six months in prison and $5,000 in fines. The duo were both living free on personal recognizance, and neither Angst nor Bronsberg had attacked any police officer while inside the Capitol. Now, to wrap this bullshit up, January 6th prisoners, it says, under that, it says, by late June, around 840 individuals were arrested in connection with the January 6th incident, and over 300 had pleaded guilty. Great job, defense attorneys, with 80 receiving jail time. Many of those charged with crimes are still languishing in prisons. Oh, gee, I wonder why. At a press conference on June 15th, a group of Republican lawmakers blasted the way January 6th prisoners were being treated, terming it the D.C. Gulag. They reported cases of prisoners being mistreated. And yes, we were going to cover that a lot in the future. The January 6th defendants are being used as pawns to dangle in front of Americans to show that if you cross a certain line, if you support a certain president, as in President Donald Trump, or if you dare to speak up against the government or against an election being stolen, you're going to be used. And that was from Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, she's right there, John Henry. But that's the thing that I'm getting at, is that they are using this, folks. They're using this as part of the midterm strategy, and they're going to use it in 2020 for the 2024 election. Because President Trump will be running. He will be. And on top of that, anything that they could do to smear him or to affect his campaign financing, they are certainly going to take that. Now, lastly, to, to wrap up this, we have uh, in an interview, it says, with Epic Times, Joseph McBride, lying-ass, shit-ass attorney, Joseph McBride, the one that lied to our friend Victoria White about uh, the influence of the uh, Timothy Cuccinelli and the uh, Patriot Freedom Project, uh, if you want to call it that. I call it the Patriot Front Project um, by Freudian slip there. Um, this person claims he's an attorney for multiple January 6th prisoners and defendants. He's blaming the government for manipulating evidence. Bitch, there is plenty of exculpatory evidence out there, and cunts like you aren't looking for it. You're just telling them to take plea deals, and you're racking up more guilty pleas for the government, the Democrats, right? And everyone else that's rooting against Trump, you're racking up guilty pleas for them. A pretrial detainee is not supposed to be punished as the person is considered innocent until proven guilty. However, McBride revealed that his clients and others like them have been locked away in cells for months at a time, brutally assaulted, denied medical care, and have had their human rights violated. Yes, the ones that don't go along with the federal pleas, Joseph. Maybe you should get on that, punk ass. All right, so let's talk about more politics here. Let's talk about your neck of the woods, John Henry. I got to watch this and really. Boy, was this an interesting one. Let's just hear this little snippet, right? That this, uh, let me see if I can get this going here. Let's just hear this little snippet when Josh, they went out. These are the really just misleading comments. I'm sure he'll try to interrupt me again. And unfortunately, these kind of attacks don't do anything for us. They don't help us build housing for our people. They don't help us solve the homeless crisis. They just create drama here. And so really what I'm saying, and, and I'm going to have to interrupt you because no, you, you don't, you don't answer the question. Talking. 
I, actually, Mrs. Cayetano, is this an issue for you question, with this Being LLC? a physician has been the honor Mrs. of a lifetime. Mrs. Cayetano, is this an issue for you, what the two of them are talking about? I think it is an issue because I think character matters. And you need to be able to trust your leaders. Audience, audience, please, if you can hold your expressions. Thank you. Mahilani, I have to If there's that. nothing to hide, just Hang release on. Lieutenant Governor, you have 15 seconds. Yes, Go ahead. I, I was just... Um, to respond because sure. the homes and are literally it. falling. Uh, uh, he never really gave the answer, right? Like I, I, he never will. He never. He never will. Josh Green never will. So, and what that's in regard to is Kai Kahale. That they're all fucking terrible. Yes. You know, Vicky, um, her commercials out here are all Roe versus Wade. So, I mean, you know, I'd like to go put signs up under her campaign signs that say "Vicky for Infant Side." Oh yeah. Genuinely, she's a fucking disgusting putrid. She's human. the one that wants emergency powers. Like listening to yeah. this, she's like, because oh, yeah. of the housing crisis, yeah. there we need to declare an emergency, and that will give us the solutions that we need. And I'm like, that's always the solution that you need. That's always what they propose is to, to declare an emergency so they could just skirt past all of the rules and and be dictators. I mean, even in Hawaii, who historically is a super democratic state, to watch this debate. And, and really objectively go, gosh, I got to pick which one of these three I want. Yeah. And not it, like, because all that Kai Kahele and Josh Crane did was argue about accepting money from special interests, their sources of income, and being fucking liars and taking money from lobbyists. That's all they did the whole time was fight who was worse at it. Neither of them ever denied that they were. Neither of them. Yeah. And not one point in this debate did they go, no, I did not. No, all they want to do is go, who's worse? I mean, it's just fucking disgusting. I mean, the state of politics in the United States is terrible, but here in Hawaii, I mean, it is absolutely abysmal. It is a fucking joke. What set it's me like off? It's like watching toddlers fight on a playground, man. Was, was Josh Green's insistence that it was a good thing that to keep poor people from the state of Hawaii? Oh, yeah. The, the, Absolutely. Because, like, his goal, because of the whole Green New Deal, you know, t- Agenda yeah. 2030 Green thing. doesn't like the poors. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all the businesses that cater to poorer people, screw you, because uh, the poor people can't come here. He was even saying, like, the higher-end hotels and the higher-end this and that, you know, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll be able to still function, but you put a $50 tax on everybody for green bullshit that does mm-hmm. nothing. Right. You basically yep. steal $50 for nothing because <laughs> it's not going to solve any climate issue. In fact, he's like, well, yeah, but business is still going to be good because we have all the higher end business here. So the person that can afford a, their private jet to fly them back and forth from Maui or wherever the fuck, you know, a mm-hmm. person like that is fine. They could pay that $50 each time and not give a shit. Well, and, and here was their justification on the, the fee, right? And, and what number six is explaining is that they want to charge every person that flies into Hawaii a fee, 50 bucks, right? Well, the justification is, yeah, but, you know, throughout the majority of the pandemic, if you could even get here, you had to pay for COVID testing, regardless if you're vaccinated or not, keep in mind. You had to pay the $150 per person for the fee, so people will have no problem. With oh, and speaking of Josh Green's ass, that's what actually Kai Kahili uh, accused him of, is that um, mm-hmm. he did a little, I'm going to switch over to this real quick, maybe we could switch back, but um, I think near the end here, he goes into like one final question. I'm going to see if I can pull up the right. Take a look at these links before you vote, so that you can make 
the best decision for Here, let me go back here a little bit. Um, Nomi Health here in Hawaii. Nomi Health didn't donate to me. I'm pretty positive Nomi Health didn't donate to Vicky Cayetano or any of the other gubernatorial candidates. This is it. Why did they donate to his campaign? Nomi Health. But looking into Green Health International LLC is something that, you know, as a voter, as constituents, you should be concerned about. At least reveal the information. If there's nothing to hide, like Vicky Cayetano said, it's about character, it's about integrity, they just release the records. And, and after two debates now, he gets squirmy when he talks about it, he gets sweaty when he talks about it, and he doesn't want to discuss it. And I think you saw it on, on full display Thursday night on the Hawaii News Now debate. So. Yeah. But I just wanted to play a little segment about Green Health. Because yeah. Green Health. And, and like, just to be clear, I'm not a fan of Kaika Haley no. either. But that's a 100% pertinent point. Because Josh Green was full tyrant. Yeah. Way beyond our governor, David Ige. Way beyond that. Oh, yeah. I've heard. And it's amazing. Green has a lot of heat with our friends. <laughs> a lot of heat oh, with yeah. our friends, you know? Yeah. Like, he, he was a, a, a nasty he asshole. He not answer any questions from, you know, Priya, from anybody, man. Yep. I mean, the guy just, he would not do it. And anytime that anybody tried to objectively have a conversation with him, he ran away. He literally ran away. Well, here's the thing he's um, been accused of, though, is that the COVID testing that you just mentioned, John Henry, that's John, mm-hmm. that, that was, the, that was Green's moneymaker. Because he oh, had yeah. this LLC on the side and he was getting Absolutely. paid money. Be- and it yes. all leads back to the testing there. Uh, the testing companies yes. donating money to him and things like that. Well, why, why would you keep up the hysteria if your friends and business partners are making money off the fucking testing? <laughs> and it was disgusting. I mean, you want to talk about being that mouthpiece? Uh, I mean, he was the worst here. Um, it, it just was nonstop. And I mean, the guy is just, he's a revolting piece of shit. So I don't, did you watch the whole debate by any chance? I watched the whole democratic debate and I watched like half of the Republican one. Okay. So one of the things I want to point out on the Republican debate, one BJ Penn, I love you, brother. You got to, you got to practice. You got to get some more work in there, man. Like I can appreciate it. You want to talk about the Kapuna. You want to talk about the cakey. I'm good with all of that, but damn it. Know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, he looked, he looked a little bit silly. And again, I I appreciate him as a person, as a fighter. There's a lot of things I love about that guy. Um, But he fumbled around and just looked silly. And he should know that the the moderators are going to come after him too. A hundred percent. I mean, they're going to full on attack. So the one thing in particular, which is they're, they're already campaigning against Donald Trump in these debates which was the question about election integrity. Did you happen to see that? No, I missed that one. Okay. So they ask about election integrity. They talk about there's been accusations of it not being a, um, you know, a sound or safe, you know, um, election for the presidential. And so obviously we know this is a fully loaded question. Okay. So they go in, they ask this question. BJ Penn does a good job answering it. Um, Duke Iona does a good job answering it. Like, Hey, we just have to make sure the elections are safe. And also, but them saying like, Hey, that's a really divisive question you're asking. And they both responded with, we know how you want us to respond to that. And we're not doing that. Hmm. So I do appreciate that part. So you have the woman that's the moderator. And then you have one of the guys from the news network. Okay. And the, the news network guy, um, made a comment after they answered that question. 
and he announces to the entire crowd, by the way, Donald Trump made accusations that the election was stolen or rigged, and there has been absolutely no evidence that that claim has been substantiated anywhere in the country. This fucker said that right in the middle of the debate on live television and fucking in front of all these people makes that statement. So for them to demonize Donald Trump, mind you, Hawaii, Hawaii called the election for Joe Biden at like two o'clock in the afternoon on election day. Yeah. I mean, it is, it fucking just, I was so pissed off. I was literally yelling at my television. I was so mad about that. Like how fucking dare you, man? So if this is just a debate for the state that I live in, uh, what makes me think that they're not doing the same exact type of propaganda bullshit in all of these debates across the country to demonize and call Trump a liar and say that they're trustworthy and honest elections and safe elections? I couldn't fucking, I mean, I, I hate to even say I couldn't believe it because at this point I believe anything that these fucking yeah. animals do. But the fact that he outwardly said that Donald Trump made the accusation and for him to demonize and shit on Trump in front of everybody. And it was interesting because I remember one particular um, press conference, somebody asked Josh Green a question about Donald Trump. I believe it was in regards of like utilizing ivermectin. When you looked at his physical discomfort of how sickened he was and how much hate and vitriol there was for Donald Trump, he was so mad that he couldn't even say the man's name. And that's the guy that wants to lead our state. That's already in a, a really, really poor position. I mean, this this guy's just fucking grotesque. All three of these are all fucking disgusting. It, it makes me sick. And and anybody in the state of Hawaii, if you can watch this and say, I want one of these people to lead our state, I mean, you're fucking clueless. You are fucking clueless. Yeah, because this, this person here, I'm, I'm not, like you said, I'm not a big fan of Kai Kahili either. Uh, we know that he's a huge fan, and he even mentioned uh, our boy old brat wears fucking shins himself, uh, Keith Hayashi. <laughs> one that wants to keep yep. masks on kids and shit. He gave him a yep. little shout out on the debate too, that he was doing such a good fucking job. So yeah, all three at the podium here can suck it. But um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the thing that really stuck out, uh, stood out to me just to wrap up uh, this week's show on, on these thoughts that, that, you know, this whole process, like watching these things, like watching these little debates, I understand more fully now why people are so dumb. Because like you yeah. can't get anything, yeah. like you can't get any type of information out of these people. Like when people think of things politically, no, right, and they're just no repeating what these people say, like this, that's what they do. Like if you're following whoever this Vicky, whoever this bitch's name is, like you're a big f- fan or supporter of hers, and like she says something vapid and dumb like that, like I think people should have good character. And you're just like that's that's going to be their default answer when you ask them at the yeah. dinner table. And, what know, do you think all, about all Vicky? her commercials? She goes, "I'm here to stand with infant murder for the people of Hawaii." Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to talk about fucking character? <laughs> character? Are you fucking kidding me right now? I think for her, and you're thumbnail, the one to stand on your fucking all holier than now fucking soapbox. I'm going to put her face Fuck on you, Tom Vicky. Green from Freddy Got Fingered when he's swinging the baby around in the air. Uh, basically yes <laughs> that's, that's her campaign commercial is. vote for vicky swing the baby i stand for women's rights and your ability to get as many abortions as you want vote vicky for governor fuck you vicky well uh, and and his medical highness here green would be would be all about that right because he took just look at, uh, look at him look at him yeah. 
<laughs> so he's been our own Hawaiian, not Hawaiian native, local, we'll, we'll call it localized Anthony Falling Fauci. into the ocean oh, yeah. now. And the Playing that by accident. <laughs> Look at this guy. Oh, that was a whole nother part where they're talking about climate change. Yeah. That, that put me sideways too. <laughs> Houses are falling now. Bali, we yeah. just had a can, massive. Can we play that real quick for the audience? As I accidentally played uh, it because I, I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. We, I, I love getting your reactions. I'm going to give some commentary. Yeah, what's once we get the live streaming thing running, John Henry, I think we should cover debates like this and offer live yes, commentary. Please. I think yeah. the audience would be about Let's get that. that figured out. Um, mm -hmm. I, I want what is it? Uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to do that for the debate. <laughs> the X-rated version, basically. Yes. Because sure. the homes are literally falling into the ocean now, and the private <laughs> landowners Wait, first and homeowners. Bitch, whose house fell into the ocean? Where? Yeah, I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain what she's talking <laughs> okay. about. Okay. So on the north shore of Hawaii. Oh, I'll pause it so you could explain. Okay. I'm just going to cover this briefly, then I'm going to cover the other absolute fucking nonsense that they spewed on here. So on the north shore, these people built their houses all directly on the beach. Right. Well, that's if you have any general idea of construction, you shouldn't fucking do that. So what happened was up at like Sunset Beach, there was a house that was literally right on the beach and like two feet from, you know, the back of the house. It went down directly to the sand. Well, it, over time. Right. What do you think happened to the house? <laughs> The house actually started to like slide down onto the beach. Castles made okay. of sand, baby. <laughs> so people's, yeah, like you, it's, a, have you ever seen a sandcastle guys? You know what happens when you build sandcastles? They don't fucking last. So the houses already were built too close. So if anything, that's a zoning issue. They should not have been able to have that land that close to the beach. So this house slid. The owner of the house wanted the state to pay for them to move the house or repair the house, which is fucking stupid. You bought oceanfront fucking real estate. You understand the liability that comes along with it. So fuck that. And that was the point of the question. Yeah. Um, so the other thing to talk about is we just had like a 40-year historic swell hit Hawaii South Shores. It came from Tahiti. Yeah. Okay. Now, there was a combination of factors there. One, it was a massive fucking swell coming from the hurricane in the South Pacific. The other thing is we get what's called king tides here. Now, that's all about the proximity of a full moon to the earth, right? So the closer the moon is, the greater the tides are that come in and out. Well, a king tide without a swell will literally wash water over roads here. It's a fact. That's just what happens when the king tides happen when there's things like supermoons. So you have this combination of this massive swell, okay, and with a king tide, and it creates a bad scenario. This happens. So they're literally on here talking about, we now see the damage of climate change with what just happened with these waves hitting houses and going over the roads and doing that. Like, oh my Lord. So they're framing it as if it's a sea level rise issue. And that's what happened here. Not that it was a fucking super swell, some Tahiti and a fucking King Tide. And all these people, these fucking lemmings are watching the news going, yeah, I saw, my goodness, I saw that. Yeah, it's global warming. That's what it is. That's what happened. It's global warming. It's global warming. I, I, I Get a fucking clue, people. Get a fucking clue. This shit makes me fucking psycho because all you idiots believe that when they're talking about, you know, because they asked the Republicans about that piece. 
and ask them about you know fossil fuels and going fully green and all of that stuff, right? Well, that that can't happen, guys. We live on fucking islands, and one of the things that you're missing when dipshit Pete Buttigieg is going, yeah, I know you can't afford to put gas in your fucking 1992 Toyota Camry, but you need to go buy a sixty thousand dollar fucking Tesla. But what they don't talk about is they'll talk about things like rolling blackouts in California and in Las Vegas. What they don't talk about is how much strain that that's going to put on a fucking power grid that you can't charge your fucking cars on top of that with your houses. Little interesting fact here. The biggest consumer in hot areas of electricity is an air conditioning service. Well, I got news for you guys. Uh, One month of charging your fucking cars is like the same as a year of running an air conditioner in a house. And already just using it for air conditioning is stressing the fucking power grids and causing blackouts and brownouts. So when these people... Okay, here's the last part, and I'm fucking done with my meltdown... (laughs) Where do you think the fucking electricity comes from, you idiots? Where do you think it comes from? Do you think it comes from the fucking sky? Do you think it comes from solar panels? Do you think it comes from fucking windmills, you morons? It comes from fossil fuels being burned to create the fucking electricity. Because we don't like nuclear energy anymore. Because that's way too clean and safe with technology now. And it's way too fucking efficient. And we can't stick our little dick in Saudi Arabia. Right? If we're using things like nuclear power. So folks, those of you that you're a social justice warrior and you're doing the right thing for the environment by buying an electric fucking car. One, as number six already talked about, child slave labor mines the fucking cobalts for the batteries, you idiots. So if you're doing the right thing for humanity and the children of the future, how about the children right now in Africa digging in fucking mines? How about you care about that, you fucking hypocrites, you clueless fools. You're so fucking duped that you can't see the forest or the fucking trees, can you? My apologies about the language, but enough is enough. It's a fucking enough. That's where the energy comes from, stupid. It comes from fossil fuels. That's how this all works. It's not just magic fucking solar power. And oh my goodness, the batteries just never need any recharge because of Tesla. It has a solar panel on the roof of the fucking car. Guess what, guys? That's not what recharges the fucking batteries. It's fossil fuels, you morons. So as we're talking about the climate, the climate pandemic and epidemic and all these terrible things and how we have to get away from fossil fuels and go to electric everything. Electricity is created by fossil fuels, you fucking morons. You're so stupid. No. This isn't particularly for our listeners. I just want to clarify that. If you're here listening to the new prisoners, you obviously are well aware of what I'm explaining to you. But that being said, for those other idiots around you that are braggadocious about their fucking Tesla or their stupid fucking e-car, right? Because they're doing right for the environment. They're fools. It's kind of like vegans, Mm. right? Let's just go. Let's go with this one. It's like fucking vegans. Well, I I personally don't believe in cruelty to animals. Well, neither do I, just to be clear. And um, I just don't believe that an animal should die for my food. Oh, that's really interesting. Let's talk about like major fucking farms. Let's talk about massive agriculture. Hey, guys, uh, real quick. You know, when they're going ahead and they're uh, harvesting your fucking soybeans, if you've ever witnessed that, you want to know what happens when they're harvesting your stupid fucking soybeans? Well, there's vultures flying over the top of the sky. Do you know why, super stupids? Because there's a lot of little cute little animals that live amongst those 
those soybean plants like rabbits and mice and moles and squirrels and all kind of cool little cute shit that we don't even fucking eat. Well, guess what? They're going to get killed for your stupid fucking tofu. That's what happens. You kill animals and don't even have the decency to fucking eat them. So who's the bad guy here? Is it me? Because I want to go shoot a wild pig and harvest it and eat it and use every part of that for my family? Or because I decide to eat a steak from Texas? Am I the horrible person? Or are you the one that sacrifices all of these lives? And I'm not even talking about the bugs. You know how many bugs you kill? You kill so many fucking bugs, you hypocrites. So that being said, I can't stand the fucking hypocrisy. I can't stand these shit birds that think that they can stand on moral fucking high ground and judge myself and judge people like our fucking listeners out there when it's all based on false fucking pretenses. It's all nonsense. It's all bullshit. Everything you know is a fabrication, and it just makes me fucking sick. Back to you, sir. That was great. Uh, I, I really like the forest for the trees. <laughs> Sorry, idea. man. I just can't fucking take it sometimes. No, because you're so correct in the forest for the trees idea because like, I was just thinking like, so a bit of why you, you obviously have, um, you live in, in the middle of like a tropical environment there, but people don't even realize it. Like they don't, they live in the forest and they don't realize that they live in the forest. That's how far removed people are from reality nowadays, that the truth mm -hmm. of nature, the truth of God itself, all around them, they're unaware of it, blissfully unaware of it, so much so that they could be fed bullshit by their government to worry about imaginary things in the future and not even yeah. worry about the things in the present because they're not even aware of those. Yeah. That's where we're at. Let me give you an example <laughs> of that, ironically, today. Uh, comes out here in Hawaii. Um we, we do have wildlife here in Hawaii, and I've referenced this many times on the show before. The people forget what real life is. They don't understand that, you know, bears are monsters, and you shouldn't take a selfie with a fucking buffalo uh, or try to take pictures with wolves in the wild because they will fucking eat you, stupid. Um, so today, there's a woman on Oahu. Uh, there's a particular beach where a, a mama monk seal lives with a baby monk seal. Monk seals are very large animals, very large animals. Well, you're not supposed to go near those animals. Matter of fact, if they're on the beach, uh, people that are like volunteers, they stick up stakes and signs and lifeguards will do that too to stay away from them, which is what you should do. So there's mama monk seal and baby monk seal swimming around at the beach where they live. And there is this fucking dipshit stupid woman out there splashing around in the water even though there's people warning her and yelling to her don't go near the monk seal but she's out there for her morning swim this morning do you want to know what happened <laughs> mama monk seal bit the fuck out of her now the woman is alive that's good I mean, right? didn't look like she was mortally wounded that's good but i gotta tell you mm. I don't ever want somebody to get hurt, but sometimes there's just a fucking stupid tax that has to be paid. That woman paid the stupid fucking tax today. So when it comes to wildlife and it comes to nature, folks, don't be fucking stupid. Remember what real life is. It was really funny. I was listening. Um, so Andrew Schultz just came out with this comedy special. That's like one of the gnarliest comedy specials ever done, but it's great, you know, because people need to hear that. Like quit taking yourself so seriously. 
and um and, and they were they were talking today about uh like um you know guys and 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 how and excuse me for being vulgar guys it's not this type of show but like they were talking about like um you know when you're young as a guy and you first start to become sexually active uh, how how fast things can happen and like women judging you on it it was really funny it's just comedy right premature things and joe yes. rogan made a statement <laughs> and it was so fucking funny i was like dying on my way home from work and he goes yeah of course guys come fast they have to get it over quick because they used to fucking, they'd get eaten by a leopard if they took too long. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's why we go fast. And it's just funny shit like that. That like reminds you like, man, this, this comfortable world that we live in with fucking Amazon, same day delivery. And we don't have to actually try for anything anymore. Like we've become so disconnected from what it is to be human and from nature. It's just, it's crazy. I've been in some uh, extremely, um, uh, dangerous situations, I, I should say, um, whenever it comes to situations of that nature, John Henry, uh, where you sort of have to just, you, you, you have to be quick about certain things, but I've, I've never, I've never been in a situation like that where I've had to worry about being eaten by a fucking lion or something, you know? It was just funny, man. It's, you know, but like, you know, so <laughs> long story short, guys, be conscious of nature and understand uh, beyond even the dangers of that, but also the beauty of that, you know, you know, one big thing we're dealing with here in Hawaii is, um, you know, it, it, the local Hawaiians, uh, they love hunting pigs, man. They harvest these creatures to feed their families. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful piece of their culture. It's a beautiful piece of their history. And now, because there are a lot of wild pigs throughout Hoi, they want to um, start feeding them birth control, the stuff called hog stop, right? And, and you don't know what's going to happen as you start to put these chemicals into these wild animals. And it's really great to see the community out here of pig hunters fighting against that, man. And it's... um it's a really positive thing, but yeah, it's like, you know, you have this natural thing, this natural history, this beautiful cultural thing where they harvest these pigs and feed the community that now, you know, somebody else thinks they're smarter. So we're going to give pigs birth control. Um, you know, but we should kill babies because, you know, people decide not to use birth control and have unsafe sex <sighs> and also monkeypox. And monkeypox. So, well, that about well, it. Was, <laughs> had to get that out of my system. Sorry, guys. Sometimes it's got a little bit of pent up fangs I need to share with you. And there's my meltdown for today. That's why we do this. Um, so <laughs> let's uh, let's flip over to this. I was going to do some shout outs here. Uh, definitely a uh, shout out to uh, Jessica Priya uh, Chiazzo for uh, she sent me that last uh, YouTube video, John Henry, too, um, that, mm-hmm. uh, that Kai did uh, breaking down a lot of Josh Green's bullshit. Uh, but uh, just just go out and if you're on uh, Instagram there, definitely go out and support her campaign page. It is uh, Jessica for state rep. Um, yeah, you know, and, and Priya's made it a point to sit down with Kai Kahale and, um, you know, and, and throw some some good questions. Out. That's admirable, though. You know, that that's the kind of thing, I, I you know, where like you, you have to have that meeting in between, especially like if it's just like I may disagree with a lot of what Kai would probably propose. But um, at least if he's going after some of the corruption in the state there by pointing out the bullshit that Green has done, the, the, the best that you can get if you're on our sort of side of this fight is to get the people that are willing to admit the bullshit going on on the other side, at least. You know, <laughs> like you fi- find the people where you could uh, elaborate on that for the public. So uh, definitely shout out to her. Also, um, showing a nice blank screen here. Um, I don't know if it'll actually play this for me. No, no, it won't. Maybe if I refresh it. Yes, there we go. 
this is what's coming out. And it's not going to do that, is it? There we are. And what's the She suffered a offer. very severe beating. The, the video is, is pretty graphic. Justice for us seems almost impossible. It's not fun to watch somebody die. And they knew she was in mortal peril. They have not asked the hard questions. Why was the Capitol intentionally unsecure that day? The FBI had information about security concerns before January 6th. They're out for blood, and they're getting it. They appear to be winning. Were the actions of the Capitol Police out of line? Were there violations in use of force? Now I describe it as an inside job. I'm ready to do whatever God calls me. Yeah, shout out to our friend. Oh, we're gonna get off of that. But yeah, shout out to our friend uh, Victoria White. Um, she was part of that Epic Times documentary, and I think our friend Gary may have uh, contributed some uh, footage there too. Um, but I just, I haven't had a chance. It's been a busy weekend, folks. That just came out. Um, but uh, I'm planning on getting around to watching that and giving a full review on it and everything. But I just wanted to give a shout out to Victoria real quick because. Uh, she she's been she was a great guest um with the interview that she did with us and then um you know since then we we did that uh special that we put out this past week John Henry about the exculpatory evidence in the case there of uh Ronald Colton Maccabee and we had our good friend uh Gary McBride on no no relation to the Joe McBride that we had mentioned before of course but um i just wanted to say like the people that we've been able to talk to on this show um, and the impact that they've now had like uh, Epic times just released another article not too long ago now uh, about Gary as well. That I shared with you, John Henry. Um, I have really been, uh, we've met a lot of cool people doing this, right? And we've made a lot of good friends and we love the fact that uh, we have the listeners that we do. Uh, this week we've, we've increased even more subscribers, uh, even more people signing up for the sub stack. I have seen, uh, more people viewing that, um, you know, but being able to meet people that are this entrenched in our nation's history right now, like when we talk about before, like people not realizing the you know, the forest for the trees, John Henry, like being in the middle of this, uh, I don't even know what to describe it. Is it a war? Is it a coup? Is it a global war? You know, I, I don't necessarily know, like the implications of what happens now with January 6th and with these defendants and the way that this, these hearings are playing out and this, with this stupid fucking committee. Um, and then potentially like we were talking about before a, a Supreme court case, even uh, with Bannon and whom knows how, who else uh, getting to meet people at the ground level here at John Henry has been astonishingly eye-opening for me. Um, just seeing the, the stresses that they've had to deal with, like with this, cause like you and you and I, you know, we, we read these news articles throughout the week and we come here and we talk about them. These things stress us out. You know, you, you claiming that you had a little meltdown there, a little rant or some, some something like that. But it, that's, that's nothing compared to what I felt 
Like I, the, the empathy that I have for someone like a uh, Victoria White now, after talking to her and our good friend uh, Jeff Fenton of the show that I'm I'm going to release an interview with here uh, soon, um, he brought up that Victoria brought a human face, you know, to this issue. And for a lot of people that are uninitiated and didn't really pay attention to a lot of what happened with January 6th or just kind of took whatever either side of the media said about it, even our own side. Like people don't really know the full story. And I think being able to provide that full story and having people like her and Gary help us tell that story has been so invaluable. I, I really can't be thankful enough for their involvement with us to even be considered. Like to have two of our guests, two people that we've met and become friends with, being featured on something like an Epic Times documentary and multiple articles about them. It just shows like we've been able to, and with your help out there, you listeners and subscribers. Uh, the people sharing this, the people talking about this show, the people spreading the word about it, you've been able to help us impact history. And even in a little small way by being being able to give people a better idea or a better picture of what the, the true history is. So uh, I'm really thankful for that. Um, also, speaking of which, other things I'm really thankful for, man, do I love me some Donald Jeffries. Um, this guy did a show this past week along with, um, Chris Graves, a, a researcher. And then of course his, uh, trusty producer, Tony Arterburn, uh, shout out to all three of them, but they did an amazing, um, interview with this, uh, Jennifer Small, who is a Columbine survivor. And I would urge all of you, all of you, I don't care what you think you know about the Columbine shooting. I don't care if you're even remotely interested in even talking or even thinking about school shootings. This isn't necessarily about that. This is about stories and the way that they're told in history. And as I was just talking about with January 6th, the way that that information can be manipulated, the way you could just be going about your daily life, even people that are really involved in politics, like people like John Henry and I, when it comes to like keeping up with this shit, my mind was fucking blown apart by what Jennifer Small had, had said during this interview. The idea that I had of Columbine and every, every, the way that it went and the way that it should have played out in history and the way it's been talked about by people and approached, by it, especially even people like myself. I don't care if you're into conspiracies or not. You should definitely check this out. This was an amazing interview. Um, also, wow. I, I continue to learn more and more uh, from our friend Silas Guthier. Like every video that he puts out is like another experience where like, I'll watch the video first. Like I have to sit down and watch the video. Like there are certain people that I follow that I'll just put on their video or something. I'll listen to it. I'll be running around the house, cooking dinner and doing shit. And I'll just listen to what they have to say with Silas. I have to sit down and, and like, I have to have not only the visuals going, but lately I got to bring a notebook. <laughs> like it's just, there, there's so many different things and concepts that Duke could just rattle off that he knows down to the T, like off by heart. And like, I remember John Henry, like when we had him on, he were talking, like we were trying to like kind of keep up with him and fact check him as he was rattling these things on. And he'd just nail everything. Like to know that the, the, that the dead verse and the term meta meant dead and had a relation to the, the ancient Jewish uh, fucking uh, version of that or, uh, definition for it just off the top of his head, you know, and he's only had the internet for a few years. 
only been working on that shit for like six months, he said. Yeah, he's brilliant, man. Brilliant. Great resource. He had an awesome interview with, uh, or I guess interview, or whatever, conversation with Dave the Inhuman here. Um, that, that was fantastic. Silas just keeps putting out amazing material. And if you, if you follow the type of topics that John Henry and I like to talk about when it comes to like overarching um, narratives, themes, conspiracies, um, occult, anything, uh, you would learn so much uh, from this series. And I'm looking forward to more because this is just part one. So hell yeah. And then uh, lastly, to wrap things up, our friend Gar Goldsmith released another uh, clip compilation. And I love what he does with these, with music and clips, and they're funny. And they, they sort of rotate around a central theme. And he does such an awesome job with it. And I love the tracks that he pulls for these things, too. Uh, we're definitely going to have to exchange some playlists soon there. But um, And that, that wraps it up for this week. So, John Henry, do you have any final thoughts for our audience before we, uh, before we go? Mm, appreciate you guys and um yeah sometimes you gotta let it out man yeah but again it's um you know this the, this is something that we can't afford not to be passionate about and we we have to be emotionally invested into it and uh you know that that's important stuff so find find people that you can have those conversations with um, you know, it's funny. It's it, like I talk about all the time and you never know who might be a good ally advocate team member and, and just casually having a, you know, a conversation with a guy that, uh, that I work with and not directly, but is just within, you know, the organization that I'm in and somebody else is like, oh, yeah, don't get him started on conspiracies. And I walk over and I'm like, Hey man, so, uh, what do you think about it? Or no? He goes off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> so shout out to you, sir. Um, for, you know, the being awakened and in the know. So it's, again, it's always good to, to, you know, to not only, you know, have somebody to have discussions with yourself, but also let other people know like, Hey, we're out of here, man. We're, we're all part of the same team and we're fighting for what's right. So I appreciate you guys, man, be prepared, have a plan, learn how to protect yourself, go learn jujitsu, learn how to hunt, learn how to garden, all these things, man, filter water, just be ready guys, just be ready. It's, um, you know, one last thing that, I, that I'll finish with is my daughter loves dinosaurs. Um, she loves dinosaurs. So we decided to watch the new Jurassic Park movie this week. Um, I'm a huge fan of Chris Pratt, as it is. Um, you know, that, that guy just did Terminal List, which is phenomenal. Um, he's obviously conservative. The guy hunts, he's Christian. He believes in God and he's not shy about that. So I appreciate, you know, just somebody like that in Hollywood. Um, but in the movie, it's very interesting. And, and, you know, without giving too many spoiler alerts, there's, um, you know, basically a, a, a big medical pharma company that's creating a, a food famine by doing something and designing something. And all they care about is power, you know, when it's interesting, there's a conversation in there where one of the people's talking about, yeah, but people are going to die. And, uh, the response is like, well, that's what we do. And it was very casual, but it's, um, there's like a funny little, if you don't pay attention, there's a little reference to 1984 in there. So, uh, go check out the new Jurassic park movie. 
it's wild. I mean, it's just insanity. Uh, but you know, that's what you would expect out of a Jurassic Park movie. But there's a lot of things in there that remind me of the current world <laughs> that we're in, short of dinosaurs, obviously, with the exception of you know Nancy Pelosi, Barbara Boxer, Anthony Fauci, and Joe Biden. So <laughs> go check out Jurassic Park, guys. Go check out Terminal List if you like military shows like The Bourne and all those ones. It's really, really good. And just appreciate you guys coming back. Hopefully everybody enjoyed our conversation last week with Lisa and Gary. I know I certainly did. And uh, just, you know, thank you for everybody that's part of our community and contributors. And thank you guys, listeners, anything that you contribute. I hope you all see now if you send us some good stuff, man, we're going to make it part of the show because it is an hour show. Uh, it, when I referenced number six and I, it's our show. It's your show. So be part of it. Please get involved, guys. If you have anything that you can send us, we'd love to uh, share that with people out there. So thanks again to everybody out there. Stay strong. Do what you do. And just uh, keep grinding, guys. That's all we can. we got to fight the good fight. Yeah, I'd say um, you know, just to wrap things up this week is that um, I'd say probably the most important thing to keep in mind right now as we approach you know, going into this uh, these midterms, you know, we're seeing a lot of you know, our friends uh running in primaries and things like that now. But as we get grow closer, I want everyone to remain present. I want everyone to realize what's happening now. It's easy to sort of get caught up in where everything's leading and how things are working behind the scenes. And like we talk about a lot of conspiratorial things on this, but also I want people to be aware of the now that they're in. Because right now I feel uh, this very strongly that we are the counterculture of the era. Like this is the biggest counterculture movement. Maybe that there ever will be, depending on how this goes in the future. And that all of us being a part of that right now and making the connections that we make and talking about stories like what's been happening with January 6th and talking about what's happening with stupid fucking monkey pox and other things like that. But the, these little inroads that we're making with people like John Henry just brought up, that it makes those conversations approachable now. You know, when we were sort of like just starting this show a couple months ago, you know, topics like, you know, the shots and other things were so taboo that you couldn't bring those up in a work environment. In fact, you may think that if you did, it might cost you your job. Because you didn't want to be the anti-vaxxer at work. But how is that now? Is it a little bit easier to talk about who and what you are and what you believe in these days? Is that possibly because you know we're having an influence on the culture? That people are seeing the narrative is sort of falling apart and they're becoming more accustomed to you know, seeing what's being fed to them on their television or on their phone or whatever else. And they're going, well, yeah, that's what they say. Well, what's the real story? But we're all players in different stories throughout life and throughout history. But we only really have now to enjoy it, to impact it, to influence it. The future's not given at all to us. And we can debate over the past all day. <laughs> but while you're having your daily, day-to-day -day life, and you're going you know, about and you're reading articles like this or listening to uh, you know, shows like this, I want you to keep that in mind. We're right in the middle of this, all of us. 
you know, there's warriors out there like Victoria White and other people and, you know, Gary working on freeing people with exculpatory evidence, with finding footage from 14, what do you say, 14,000 hours of footage. You know, so now, now we're in a place where we can gather, we can make an impact, and we can fucking do something in this world. So with that, until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to The New Prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.